$25 open. <laughs> we are live. Dan has just told me that he's never seen Shawshank Redemption. Why? What? Are, are we live? Yes, we are live. Uh- who is that like a is that a Morgan Freeman movie? Yeah, Morgan Freeman, uh uh, uh Timothy Robbins, uh Fra- Frank Darabont, uh, uh scripted from a short story from uh Stephen King. It's one of the best movies of all time. Really? See, a, when it's not it just feels movie. like a western. It feels like is it no, a western? Okay. Jail no, movie. <laughs> I mean, I'm open to watching it. Uh, I, I, I'm open to people's suggestions. No, I, I've never seen it. Oh, Mo, I, I was asking in the chat, has anybody seen Dan? And Mo Beerman writes, hey, although maybe Dan abandoned you for Bears Country. <laughs> oh, don't start that. <laughs> we'll explain why Dan said uh, don't start that after our video open. <laughs> Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bare their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. I'm acting like an idiot is because I smoke a little reefer right now and everything is fucking <laughs> going bizarro on me. What's happening there, Mr. Dan <laughs> Glad to be back. Man, I missed last week for that concert, but I'm here. You missed and, last week? <laughs> yeah, and you were going to, you said that we would talk about the Bears uh, country podcasting. So should we get that out of the way then? Uh, 
Yes, let's get that out of there. What the fuck is this? I hear that you're doing the Bears Country podcast. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I, I, like I told you, I was like, I hope this isn't creating like some sort of chasm, you know? Like I was just worried that that uh, I didn't want anyone to think that I was being disloyal or something, you no. know? Because I do like the other Dan a, a lot, so. He, I, I know that you love him more than me. He's younger, better looking. He's got nicer tits than I do. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, but that doesn't mean that I still don't love you and that I still don't expect you to cuddle up with me when you come to Chicago next month. Oh, good. I hope to. And I hope to still get you to go to that Smashing Pumpkins concert, as oh, I told That's you. another thing we got to talk to people about. Before we talk to about football, Dan is coming to Chicago for, for the Dolphins game, and he's bringing uh, his uh, – lovely girlfriend with or i can't wait to meet at the same time john buffon's coming uh nasley briones and uh, uh alma who uh, both were here on the show two or three weeks ago they're going to be here this is off of the dolphins game and so we're going to plan some really cool get together we'll let you guys all know and hopefully you can come and 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 join us and uh have a beer buy dan a beer dan doesn't drink so you can buy him one of those cheap beers that you want no, no no i used to drink i used to drink but now like my my addiction just seems to be to like coca-cola because mm -hmm. i don't like coffee so yeah so i don't need double demons on me you know <laughs> so, calorie wise so i told dan i don't know if i'm gonna go to the smashing pumpkins concert that he bought uh tickets for he bought three tickets and uh, for me his girlfriend and himself and i don't know if i'm gonna go i've been feeling high and low high and low my mom passed away my brother's been sick you know i'm stimulated by the work sometimes i feel guilt and i i just been going through a fucked up time and so you know i, I reached out to dan and told him i don't know if i'm gonna go and so oh my gosh that <laughs> all of a sudden i think dan you thought it was because you've been on bears country podcast yeah yeah i did Gosh. I was like, man, Aldo's pissed at me for doing the other Dan show. So now he's not going to go. And it's like, you, I mean, you were gracious enough to be like, well, just take my car. Because again, the idea is we're flying this time and you're picking me up at O'Hare and I'll stay again with you and your, your lovely wife and your, your great house. I love the, the basement there in the background. It, it's, it's tremendous. I'm not placating you. Uh, but you're like, you could use my car, but man, I, you know, I, I've never driven in Chicago, but other than just going through it when there's not an event. So mm -hmm. I didn't want to take your car to the United Center because I'm, I'm, I'm just afraid I'd fuck it up, you know? And it's just like, what if I, I mean, you know, the, the most traffic I've ever been in is Washington, D.C. And Chicago, when I drove, we drove through it. Like when we left the game, when you were driving last season, mm -hmm. you know, all the traffic because the lake is on in the one direction and everyone's driving like 87 and i was just like man thank fucking god i'm not driving right now that's what i thought to myself when you were driving out of the game so i don't want to drive in downtown chicago <laughs> and i've already paid for the parking so i'm hoping you'll go like you know i, I understand all those things I, I, i've lost my mom too but please go <laughs> i'm please go I'm working on it. So I want you to show me all the Jordan stuff too at the United Center. Like there's got to be like a bunch of shit from the from the finals, right? Oh man, all you got to do is walk around uh the uh the outer area uh outside just outside the stadium. Not I want to see the statue too. Yeah, that's outside the stadium, but inside where all the concession stands, you just need to walk around there, man. You'll see tons and tons of really cool stuff. Not only uh, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and the six uh, uh, NBA trophies, but uh, 
uh, Stanley Cups from the Blackhawks and lots of other cool stuff. But yeah, we'll we'll work on that. I, I, but it was just hilarious because Dan kept texting me over and over again. Come on, please. Come on, please. Come on, please. And finally, I, thought, well, I just didn't want you to think that I like was being disloyal or something. I, I take that very seriously. You know, it's clear. I have made it clear to you already. I want to make it clear to the audience. I don't have a problem with anyone at the bar room here doing stuff with another show. And especially if the, that show is, is partly here on the network. I mean, I want uh, Mr. Shorty's show to grow. Uh, you know, the, the whole strategy behind that is to grow both, both brands. And when things didn't work out with him and Nomad and you guys, and you stepped in uh, to that role, I was happy because I, I know the show is going to be really good. Uh Maybe not as good as with Nomad. Come on. <laughs> well, like I said, if they would make up, I would graciously bow out. I mean, well, I mean it's just because of the Phil and Shane stuff, you know, like with the, yeah. so much drama in the past, whenever someone was doing this or doing that miscommunication, I'm just like, man, come on. I don't want to have any miscommunication. That's all. No, and I don't think there's anything for them to make up. They had a disagreement. I, I think they're still friends and stuff, so uh hopefully you know i meant between us i was just trying to make sure oh. you knew that it wasn't something that like oh well he's trying to leave or do his own thing or or whatever the fuck you know yeah. so anyway um we're, we're all good here and um i i you know and the other thing i, I just want to say to you i haven't said this to you and, and to everybody i can't do this fucking forever i'm gonna be 65 next september you know there's gonna be a fucking time when my wife is gonna say hey now it's time to go to italy now it's time to go to spain now it's time for you to get out of the fucking basement you know so i don't know if i'm gonna do this next year i think i am but you know i, I i'd love to make sure that the bar room exists for eons afterwards. And so I'm looking for, uh, I'm developing and looking for successors and developing a succession plan. You know, this is, this is my baby. It's been together since 2014. It's gone through so many fucking iterations. And uh, at a certain point, then, you know, you don't want to do a fucking show with me. Uh, fucking spit coming out of my mouth and, and shitting on my pad. I'm going to go wipe myself on your ass. Well, that sounds entertaining in, a, in, a, in its own song. <laughs> That's right. I'm jagging off. I can't get a hurt. <laughs> well, I don't wish that on you or anybody for that matter. Not, not even like Brett Favre. I don't even not want Brett even. Favre to be. <laughs> he denies the welfare stuff, even though there were text messages, by the way. But, you know. My goodness, and Herschel Walker too, but that's a different story. <laughs> He's like, I didn't force two women to have or two abortions. Exactly. Hey, but you know, you're talking about your wife said, "Let we're we're going to Italy, we're going to this." Well, allow me to do that same peer pressure and say we're going to the smashing pumpkin <laughs> and let me remind you billy it's a, he's past a wife dan <laughs> he's a chicago guy he's a bears fan mm -hmm. it's a homecoming show it oh, should be like a fantastic moment you know i know it's gonna be a great show so we'll, we'll figure it out and if if i don't go I'll, I'll make sure that there will be somebody really attractive going with you and Ginny. Well, I already got somebody really attractive going with me. That's my I know. Opinion. I'm saying with you and Ginny. Wouldn't you rather prefer going with someone where you have a fantastic threesome as opposed to going with me? Just no. <laughs> no, I'd rather go with you and Ginny. <laughs> like, not even if you weren't driving. Even if we were just taking a fucking Uber, I still want you to go. <laughs> well, well, uh, well, <laughs> we've got good seats, too. Like I said, it's like a $150 ticket. 
I know these are so these... it's it's not like you know you're up in the fucking nosebleeds or something, yeah. you know. <laughs> like uh well, I was gonna make a joke, but I've been around. Um all right, so let's talk some football because we're already uh, 11 minutes into by the way i was watching the hogan john's uh podcast it's now on video it has been for a while but i haven't listened or heard their show in quite some time and so i'm listening to and they're the first seven eight minutes they're not talking about football and i'm thinking to myself this is the most fucking boring opening and i'm hope to god that we haven't bored people for the first 12 minutes of our show because i don't know there's been a lot of buzzwords like bears country podcast phil and shane so just <laughs> all these like underneath like things that have you know like buzzwords so i don't think anybody's I love what Mo Beerman says. It's the Dan and Drew Linaldo show. Talking depends. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty soon, man. Pretty soon. Uh, I can't wait to meet you face to face. Ah, Retro. He's coming back. He's coming to Chicago. Can't wait to meet you face to face, Aldo. I'm not Dan's girlfriend. I pitch. Oh, <laughs> Retro is so fucking funny. He, uh, he sends me a, uh, a text saying, hey, you know, um, um, uh, he, he sent me a really good topic for us to discuss later. And then he says, maybe I'll pop into the show later. And so I respond back to him and say, listen, dude, I've been, pl I'm pl planning this fucking show since nine o'clock in the morning. You know, I'm putting together videos kind of, you know, a little outline and stuff. So if I can't get to you, I can't put you on. And he goes, he responds to me. You are what you eat. You pussy. <laughs> 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 I love retro. That's the same kind of comeback any one of my friends would have come come up with, uh, you know, that guys that I grew up with. So he reminds me so much of some really good friends of mine. So love you, Retro. Uh, John Santucci's not here, so Retro, I might need you. <laughs> I hope John's all right. He's you. Maybe you John's know. shooting a film, you know? Maybe he. <laughs> <laughs> and like or, or what he would be doing in the film. I also enjoy eating pussy, as you know. So. <laughs> or he took a job as a fluffer. You know, those are well pay good paying jobs. <laughs> <God. I don't. laughs> it's been a good ride, Aldo, but we all understand. Hopefully you can do it for many more years and we can celebrate a Bears Super Bowl someday. Brother, Old Hawk, 1985, you ain't kidding. More Maybe you're like Brett Favre here in your own sense, Aldo. Maybe because remember, he started talking about retiring in like 2003. He's like, I don't know if the old arms got it anymore. Yeah. And then he just kept hanging around and hanging around. So maybe you'll do the same thing. You're starting to talk retirement, but that probably means you'll be here till 2031. Uh, I, you know what? I wouldn't be at all surprised. I just need to eliminate some of the, uh, I hate to put it this way, but some of the grunt work uh, involved with running the bar room and stuff. So if, if I can do that and I can just count like today, all I did was think about this fucking show. I took a, an hour and a half break to have my dinner and, and to relax a little bit before we got on air. But I, I, I worked really hard in the media mashup. I did a couple of other things. I did a fucking nice open for John Santucci's bears, uh, bears state of affairs. And so I hope he's here so we can debut it, but maybe not. So I don't know. Is he really, yeah. is he not responding I, I, to me, to be honest, I haven't uh, reached out to him. I just assume like he's always <laughs> here about the same time that I am 10, 15, yeah, I'm going to have to send him a voice message live right now. Yeah. I'll do it. Oh, here it is. Hold on. Seven fifty nine. Uh, although I'm running a little late, I've got two toddlers with the flu. Oh, oh. cleaning up some vomit. I'll be there as soon as possible. What should what should we reply? 
I was about to send him an obscenity, but I won't now. He's got sick children. <laughs> How about you're fucking fired? <laughs> I was going to say, God damn it, John, where are you? You know, but I can't do that now. <laughs> Make me a dick. Uh, I'll be nice. No problems. Uh, retro. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just seeing a, a, a tweet from Chris Watts. And let me just say, if he's listening right now, or I don't know if he's still awake over in the UK, but yeah, it was awesome talking to you as well, man. And uh, actually, I'm trying. I was talking to Aldo earlier. Again, I don't know if Chris is listening, but I'm going to try to buy him a Blu ray or a DVD player of some kind that. Uh, I don't know if region one, if I mail it to him, if he can hook it up over there because he's region two or region less and get you some 80s football, man. Because like last night talking to him, man, he was it was like talking to myself a little bit in terms of just how he could start talking about it and, and like light up from it, you know. So, man, I got to get him some games. Yeah. You know, uh, he's a special dude. In so many different ways, Chris Watts is a really special dude. And if, if you guys don't know who we are talking about, go go yesterday and watch Bears Country podcast. He was uh, Dan and Dan's uh, guest, and uh, or watch any Sunday morning. He's on the Barfly Tailgate Show. He's just a special guy in so many different ways. I won't go ahead and get into it, but uh, uh, but first and foremost, he's a Bears fan, so, so that's why he's special. No, that's not first and foremost, but but he's a great, great guy. So, uh, and I'm glad that you guys hit it off. And yeah, it'll be nice to uh, get him some Bears uh, stuff. And if he gets that DVD player, I got some stuff I'd love to send him to. Yeah, I mean, like I was telling you, if if I send him a Region One, do they? Ho- this sounds so stupid, but do they hook up with HDMI over there? Would yeah. it work with our HDMI? Yes, I'm I'm 99% sure uh, of it based on a little bit of research I was able to do before showtime. Uh, I got to get him something then. Uh, Dan, uh, ISO, what does ISO mean? ISO, ISO in search of, no, uh, I don't know. ISO. I don't have the ability, like uh, if anyone, like to that gentleman, I'm pl- think of it as a VCR. Mm-hmm. Like I'm playing the disc from one DVD and recording it onto another in real time. And it's all hooked up to my television. Mm-hmm. So it's not off of a computer. I can't make it into some kind of wave file or, or whatever. It's literally just recorded from one disc to another in real time. So the, what J2K is saying, can you record the DVD onto your computer? I don't have a home computer. I've got, I had one. I lost that in my divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got uh, just an iPad and, and uh, you know, my phone. Right, so. so why, we're going to have to steal your phone for you. <laughs> when, you when you're in Chicago, you, Ginny, and me, we're going to go uh, uh, to Best Buy and steal a computer for you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, 15, tw- no, 20 minutes into the show. It's time to talk a little bit about the Chicago Bears. Dan, I want your overall impression on this game. Hey, there's the Tucci's coming in backstage. Um, I want your overall impression. Hey, Tucci, um, were, did you feel like I felt after the game? I felt so encouraged and so hopeful after the game. What was your impression? Well, to come back, I was afraid. I mentioned you last night. Uh, I was afraid when I sent you the text, like, man, the defense, this is killing me. This is worse than Nagy. Mm-hmm. And what I meant by that was, like, their inability to make adjustments. Like, why wouldn't you bef- – I mean, why wait till you're down 21-3 to to say, maybe we should play a little bump and run? 
maybe we shouldn't let back off, you know, 10 yards from Jefferson. So I, w- I was so, so down at the time, but I didn't want you to think I'd given up because I really hadn't. I still had a feeling that, that, that I just feel like the Bears are going to get back in this. I, I didn't know how, but it wasn't just blind optimism. And as you could see, it just took that one play to Darnell Mooney to become the catalyst for the momentum. And for the first time this season, Justin was in the zone. He was, I mean, I knew you could feel it. Like, even though the defense shit the bed, just like we knew they would when it's like, Oh, we get a stop. We win. Of course the defense suddenly can't stop anybody again after the whole quarter and a half of playing great, great football. Uh, and giving up consecutive third downs over and over and over. But I still felt like, all right, we're going to go and tie this. And sure enough, Justin's driving straight down the field. So all that's encouraging, man, because he just got into a zone. And I'm not even – like I said last night, I'm not even going to shit on Smith-Morissette because you're talking about a guy that's it has been with us since early September – his first real opportunity to get on the field. He already had that bullshit penalty called on him. If you remember when field scored a touchdown and it was negated mm-hmm. by a penalty, that was also mm-hmm. on Smith Marset. So if you put that in into his head, he's playing the team that cut him. It's his first real action with the bears to show mm-hmm. that he can represent. And he's got to overcome that fucking bullshit penalty. The dude's mm-hmm. trying to make a play. I mean, he juked. He had a great juke to get the first down. Should he have gotten out of bounds? Of course. But the guy's trying to make a play to say, I deserve to be on the field. I don't think that's selfish. I think if that were you or me, we'd be doing the same thing. Because, you know, you're there to play. You want minutes. So it's so unfortunate that he fumbled. It's so unfortunate the Bears find ways to lose. That's my short answer for you, that we lose. But optimism we're talking Fields got into a rhythm, some fluidity, unlike he had at any point this season. And furthermore, we've lost two games in the division, but both of them have been on the road, Aldo, Green Bay and Minnesota. So they got to come to Soldier Field later, and we still got the two with Detroit. So we still have a chance to be in this, but we got to win Thursday. You don't want to fucking lose to Washington, be down two, two and four, and then have to sit on that for two weeks because mm-hmm. we don't play again to the following Monday night. Mm-hmm. So you got almost two weeks to this evaluate. I, I didn't mean to give you that monologue. I'm sorry. No, I, I I'm I'm really happy you did. Listen, you know the the thing with Marset. I totally agree with you. The guy, the poor guy, is trying to make a play. He he's against his former team. You know he wants to show them up. As he explained it, you know he um, eluded. He stiff armed uh, uh, Cameron Mansler, I believe his name is, uh, and uh, then just kind of forgot about him. And he should not have. And he, sh- he should have looked over at Cole Komet, who's pointing towards the sideline like and saying, get the fuck out, out of bounds. But he didn't because he, you know, that competitive spirit. And and that's. And did you see the f- the leadership from Fields mm-hmm. going straight over to him and like basically keeping his head up saying, hey, man, you know, we all fuck up. And that's leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he didn't he didn't like blame it on him. He went over there and, and tried to hold his head up. I mean, yeah. that I, was that was inspiring for me. Like this guy really is our, our leader and people are going to see it. Yep. I, I am so, so impressed with Justin Fields performance, because frankly, I was starting to worry. I was starting to worry because there were just so many little things that I had uh, seen that he was still doing in uh, his mistakes from college football had now come over to a pro football, but this week 
he made a lot of really good decisions. He cleaned up a lot of things. Now, what is really, really important is that this is not a one-time thing or that he's going to go back to being the Justin Fields from a couple of games ago for the next two, three, four, five games. We don't want – it's got to be – Consistency. Know, yeah, exactly. Like, it's got to be climbing the hill all the time. I want to uh, play a soundbite for you before we get to our media mashup that was based just on what you said, and it is uh, Getsy. Uh, where is it? Uh, Getsy on his composure in that last final drive. He, remember, he fumbled, and fortunately the Bears retained. And so Getsy was asked about that. And this is his response. The biggest takeaway from that is the reaction after the fumble, right? We, we have a breakdown in the protection. There's miscommunication, and we leave a free runner. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, he ends up fumbling the ball, and uh, we recovered it, and he got back up. And then there was more pressure, and he found a check down, and it went for whatever that was, 20 yards or whatever. So, like, to me, that's a really cool, you know, moment for a quarterback that can compose himself after that you know, and then make a, make a really nice play like that. I'm so fucking impressed by that. I mean, that is such an important point. One that we as fans would kind of, you know, not think about, but it's so true. So many quarterbacks we have seen average quarterbacks, mediocre quarterbacks, terrible quarterbacks, they fumble in a situation like that. And it's all fucking over. Their morale is down. They're, 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 they're feeling, you know, weird and shit. And, and we'll have a soundbite from uh, Justin Fields talking about this new breathing technique that he's using that is helping him relax. He had to do that because otherwise he was going to beat uh, our center's ass, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Mustafer fucking snap the ball when I'm not walking up and checking and switching to play. Wait till I fucking tell Oh, my God. Although I do think that was on him because his explanation after the game was is that um, he it, – it, 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 his explanation, I'm not going to paraphrase it, but it really didn't jive with what I saw. But be that as it may, let's go to the media mashup because this is going to really uh, – Well, can I ask you one more question? Absolutely. Before you do that, uh, and this goes back to our, our texting last night. Mm -hmm. The reason that I just fucking get so sick of Mahomes – and everyone on his dick. If that's Mahomes running, that flag is not thrown on Sunday. Mm -hmm. That's man. That's that's why I hate it, man. Justin Fields scored on that play, and we win the game right there. There's no doubt in my mind. The Bears win it there instead of being up 22, 21. You know, we're 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 in the driver's seat, and that flag is thrown. Am I just a homer here by saying that that was a bullshit flag? Because to me, that corner. Uh, threw his arms up there. It was like Vladi Divac's flopping in 2002 with the Kings. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're absolutely right. I Man, I, I know I, uh, I downloaded that and I wanted to share it with people because I, I zoomed in on the play. It was clear that that was not a fucking penalty. God, I thought so too. And that's why I don't like Rodgers or, or Mahomes where they get all those breaks and we get none of them. I'm as envious as as you can possibly be, just call it the same for every player. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'll see if I can find it after the media mashup, uh, but uh, let's go to that now and uh, get your papers and uh, pencils out because you'll want to take notes because we've got a lot to discuss uh, right after. Uh, Sounds good to me. This. Let me uh, lose your thing here because we've got a nice little fucking open to this that I created, and I don't want you, your lovely image, to fuck it up. Ha, ha, ha.
on my sheet of paper for us today. Why does it feel like a win? Because it kind of does. Kind of does. And here's the thing. That's I, why I want chicken nuggets or chicken rings. I, I and, and I it's so easy to make fun of and say, like, oh, what moral victories are for losers. Yes, the Bears are losers. <laughs> They're bad. I th- that's that's baked in. So stop saying I I understand that. We all we all understand it. We all know what it is we're talking about. We're not pretending otherwise. This is a teardown year. They're spending no money on mostly bad players for the whole year. Ryan Poles is pretty much cashiering this season. They're going to try to win, and we are going to look at each week through the prism of an NFL season the way we do. We're going to hold them to that standard of how they play, but don't lose sight of what's going on here. Yes, moral victories are for losers. That's what the, that's what this season is. This is a losing season. They are losers. Yeah. They get moral victories. That's it. Everyone knows what we're talking about. What about real victories? What about real wins? Real teams? What real? They're not there yet. Well, the hope is that you're on the way to building that. And one of the th- I'm going to pause it right there just to say that Dan Bernstein is such a dick. He is such a fucking dick. Would you not agree with me, Dan Aguirre? They could be at 500 Thursday night. Mm -hmm. Let's just say, how do you know it's going to be a losing season? Like I've said so many times, who would have thunk that the Bengals were going to go the fucking Super Bowl last year when they hadn't gone to the Super Bowl since 1988? Mm -hmm. Things happen. People like shot. It happens in sports every year. Somebody goes from worst to first. Yeah, but they don't I, I just have, hate the certitude that this guy has. But they don't He's, have passes. <laughs> well, I, I agree. He it's so <laughs> funny too. I mentioned this last night. I know we need to get back to that, but <laughs> I text you. I said, Man, they need to cut Pettis at the same time your tweet came through, which wasn't to me, but just to Twitter, where you're like, Dante Pettis, the coach needs to see you. Uh, bring your playbook. We had the same <laughs> thought process, like, okay, we've seen enough from you. You got to go. <laughs> Maybe with Harry coming back this Thursday, allegedly, uh, then maybe Pettis does go to the bench. Yeah, well, and somebody wrote a column about that. It's unfortunate, but the Bears don't have the depth in order to cut Pettis, you know, because you're going to bring in a wide receiver who doesn't know the playbook, who probably isn't any better in terms of route running and some of the strengths of uh, Dante Pettis. So it's kind of you're you're kind of fucked and and stuck with him until – Nikhil Harry comes back, and Valus Jones proves that he can play more than two. Well, and Pringle, and Pringle comes back. Oh, that—that's right. Of course, my man Pringle, who I expected was would be having a breakout season by now. Well, Harry still may play well. I mean, if you're hurt as long as he was hurt, I mean, what are you doing? You're probably studying the routes. Yeah, unless you're Kevin White. Kevin White took off like four years and still didn't know the routes. Right. Well, and and that's uh, Luke Getzey talked about that. He's been mentally involved, and so he expects him to. And once he's ready to rock and roll physically, he expects him to to get into it right away. And I got to tell you, when I saw him at uh, uh, at camp at, at Hallis Hall, there was one play, uh, an end around play, and you wouldn't expect a guy his size, 6'4", 220, or whatever he is, to be running with the ball on a play. But he reminded me of Cordero Patterson with that hugeness. It's like no fucking defensive back in the league will want to try to tackle him. And he he ran for big-time yards on that particular play in practice. But and so hopefully we'll see that during a real game. All right, back to our media mashup. Thing, the thing that you need to know is either – 
Justin Fields is that guy that's going to help turn the moral victories into real victories, or he's not, and that you have to go and look for someone else at the most important position in sports to do that. And yesterday, the reason for me, I'll answer my own question because sometimes I don't do a good job of that. The reason for me that it feels like a win yesterday is because you saw enough and it wasn't, you didn't have to turn your head to the side and kind of take your glasses off and, and, and look at it. It was right there in front of you. You got to see the stuff that you had been hoping to see from Justin Fields. And you're like, oh, he can do that. Oh, I, I heard that he is a guy that has a strong arm and can, can fit throws. He fits the throws in there. Oh, he looks comfortable. Oh, he's able to run a two-minute offense, and, and you feel comfortable with it. He's making good decisions. All of that stuff was right there in front of you. On in Sunday's game. And so even though the final score ends up being 29-22 and the way that they lost the game was disappointment, you brought it up in transition, Dan. There was the moment, the, the anger that you felt at the end of the game was the residue of the hope yes, that you they had it. that they were going to win that game they, they, because the quarterback was good yeah, yesterday. Yeah, they, they earned us back for the end of that game. It's like, oh, man. What do you believe? This regime, who didn't draft him, mm-hmm. are all in. That's our guy, Justin Fields. Because I do. I believe deep down, that's our guy. Well, there's two ways to look at this. One is you believe in Justin Fields, mm-hmm. even though this is not the person you drafted. You believe in him. You do everything you can to get him protection and weapons for him to flourish and for the offense to flourish. Or you do it the Colts way and say, we're evaluating him for this year. If he's not going to be the guy, then we're going to bring in a veteran quarterback that can get us closer. The Colts' way in the last few years is just getting veterans with skins on the wall. It hasn't worked out too well for Chris Ballard. It's a, it's a good effort because you're trying. But I just believe that in this league, if you can find a young quarterback and that guy can be able to make a difference for your team, you're keeping him there for a decade. It's so important, this position, Cap. You could either go the veteran route or stick with Justin Fields. Now, for those that look at Fields today and say, well, what we see today is who he is, that means that you're not watching the league or not watching how a quarterback can learn on the, you know, on the fly, learn while he's uh, the quarterback of a team. And then while that's going on, now here comes a wide receiver. Now comes a tight end. Now you're getting better with the offensive line. It's all about development. Not all at once, but over some time, Justin can be the guy with the proper weapons around him. And how quickly can you get said weapons? Because they've got $110 million approximately for next year in cap space. Mm-hmm. I believe they're going to have a higher pick than others believe. You, I think you're with me yeah. that it'll be a very high pick. I think it's higher than even you think. Yeah. There's not going to be every single thing you need in free agency. It just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. How long is the process of bringing in said talent to protect him and to give him options to throw to? You know, the process of trying to find offensive weapons would be sooner if the defense was doing their job. Right. The defense isn't playing very well either. They were better in the second half. Yeah. Now, I know it's not sexy to be able to just lay out uh, some defensive issues with the Bears because everything's all the conversations predicated on the quarterback and the offense. But if, if the Bears were the traditional Bears in which you had all pros or difference makers defensively, 
then you'd say, mm, in free agency, I'll give someone from the scrap heap here, scrap heap there, and really focus on offense, really focus on the offensive line and weapons. It's almost like the money has to be allocated on both sides of the football as equally as possible, Cap. I am, I am um, dismayed that you can't find a Bears lineman to get home to the quarterback. That better not be the case on Thursday. You can't get home? Alex Brown talked to us about it. On their feet somehow on defense, and I can't believe I'm saying that after you know what we watched for the first three possessions. And uh, and then they battled on offense, and, and Fields played better. Was he great? No. Has he arrived? No. But he was better. He played turnover-free ball. Uh, he, w- he was a lot better on first and second down. I think we talked about it last week, guys. Through the first four games, Justin Fields was completing 42% of pass attempts on first and second down, which is unheard of. Yesterday, he was 12 of 15 uh, throwing the ball on first and second down, and he finished 15 of 21 uh, overall. You've got the one touchdown pass. Now, granted, it's basically a handoff to Valus Jones there on the fly sweep, but again, I would highlight that it was turnover-free football. I think there were only, what, two sacks in the game. So uh, some improvements. Uh, from an offense that needed them. And now I think if Luke Getzey stands up there this week and tells you that there's progress being made, you can look back and you say, okay, I can I can buy into what the offensive coordinator is telling me. Last week, it looked like Luke Getzey and it sounded like Terry Shea when he talked about tremendous progress that, that was being made. You saw progress this week. You did, Brad, and I think when you look at the passer rating, 118.8, that is a significant number in improvement. It will be overstated and exaggerated by Thursday's kickoff for sure locally because everybody is desperate to see the kind of growth that we saw yesterday. Question is, you mentioned Luke Getze. He did see progress. He did announce it publicly that there was signs of growth and he didn't have such a bad month. How did Getze help Fields yesterday, in your mind, You know, build on – some completions, not get discouraged, and call a game that was maybe more conducive for what we saw? Yeah, I don't know that there were a ton of differences in what they're doing, what they had been doing. They perhaps were a little bit more aggressive on first down because we we talked about that as well last week about how brutal uh, the Bears have been on third down, right, uh, through the first four weeks of the season. And when you can't, sustain drives or get explosive plays, it's going to be very difficult uh, to score points. They weren't great on third down yesterday. They were uh, four for 10, certainly aided themselves by picking up a, uh, a fourth down along the way as well. But I, I was talking to uh, Eric Kendricks, the Vikings linebacker, uh, after the game yesterday, and I've chatted with him before, and I went back to him because you know, he's a pretty sharp guy, you can get something interesting from him or, or he'll have an interesting take on things. And I kind of asked him about the the Bears offense, and he thought that that deep shot late in the second quarter to Darnell Mooney for 39 yards really kind of um, woke the Bears up, and, and, and then the Vikings were kind of challenged from there. And he said, the one thing he said that kind of stuck out was that the Bears had so many different looks that it was 
tough for Minnesota to adjust from there. That once the Bears got a little momentum, they were kind of presenting so much stuff to the Vikings that it gave Minnesota some issues. So I think that's probably a credit to Getzy as well. This segment, the stat, I don't care about passing yards at this point. The stat that's most important to me, and it's so elementary, is the completion percentage. Like in this league these days, you got to hit 65% of your, of your, your shots or you're considered a low completion guy. The reason for that is, has been the acceptance of all the wide receiver screens and the what, you know, all, there are so many gimmies out there. You could sleepwalk to a 65% completion rate. You just can. Justin was at 51 through four games, which tells you like more than likely he's pressing the ball into spots instead of taking the gimmies. Second half of the game, he was 12 of 13. And as I've said this so often that it drives myself crazy, if you, if you do simple better, it will create positive reaff- you know, positive affirmation that now I'm starting to feel good about myself. Now the confidence comes up. Now I'm just playing. I'm not thinking. Then the game slows down. And now you can make progress. When you're worried about and you, you see his feet, did he not look more comfortable in the pocket course, in the second yes. half? Yeah. I think a lot of that comes from just doing the little things better. Did, did it you sound use do stupid. simple? Was that a Joe Mannon thing you just used? Do simple been. better? Well, Maybe, it but, it, but it's a great concept. That's a more efficient way of playing the game. Instead of trying to make this long pass through two defenders, what's the more effect? Do simple better. And when you do, the game will slow down for you because then you become confident. Put on the tape of Justin Fields talking after a win. And the Houston Texans. And he played crappy football. But they won the game. And he sounded like a guy with zero confidence and no enthusiasm. Put on the tape yesterday of him talking. They lost. And I'm not saying you should ever be happy when you lose. But you could hear it in his voice and see it in his face. There was, there was a feeling that. And he talked about the game slowing down. Now, again, these are baby steps. This isn't a, you know, a, a, an arrival game. We get excited when a quarterback in Chicago throws for 200 yards because we have been, we, we have been in the desert. We've been in the quarterback desert wandering. So we want to, we see signs of life and we're like, uh, we can't get enough of it. But this was, this to me was meaningful progress. 12 of 13 in the second half. You could see it in the way he carried himself in the second half of the game and you could see it at the podium after the game. Now it, it all goes away if Thursday they come out and they stink up the joint. But if you build on it and you see him taking the check downs again and getting the ball to Cole Komet, third down and long, first half of the game, Cole Komet's a check down. He hits Cole Komet. You get positive yards. It makes the field goal attempt easier. Oh, I'm sorry. They didn't even attempt field goal. It was fourth and short. They go for it. Justin runs the ball. They get. Right. They're not attempting fourth and ten. They'll take a fourth and two shot. And the reason why you got fourth and two is because Justin took the check down to Cole Komet. Like, that's an example of stacking positive plays together. But you can't get the second positive play until you get the first one. It's a good coach. You can include the quarterback if you want, but don't make him the focus of what, what I'm talking about right here. You know, I see the Bears doing things correctly and doing things in a positive way and taking a step in the right direction with things that you do to win football games. Forget about what the quarterback play right now. And, and by that, I mean, I'm watching that game, and, uh, you know, they go two for two in the red zone. They're, they're, they're not crazy on penalties. Their special teams now has a chance to win games for them. Uh, 
they don't turn the football over except the last play of the game, which I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it was a turnover, but the quarterback doesn't turn it over. Uh, David Montgomery doesn't turn it over. So, I mean, in my mind, they're they're doing things uh, to make some progress. Now, on the other side of the coin, you know, they've got a long way to go. I mean, for a team to line up and run the football like they have the last couple weeks against the Bears, I promise you Matt Eberflus is going crazy with that because really run defense in the, in this, any scheme. But in this scheme, when you're not – if you're a blitz team, try to visualize this, and you're blitzing two guys up a gap, and the team happens to run the other way, they're probably going to get a big play on you. But if you're not a blitz team, which we're not, and we're basically a gap-controlled defense where everyone kind of has their assignment, uh, we should not be giving up those run uh, rushing yards like we are. That's got to be the number one thing that we have to get solved here, in my opinion. I'm sure that that's what Matt Eberflus is saying. So that's uh, big picture with the Bears. That's where I see him right now. Um, go you're, ahead. You're describing evidence of coaching because you are, you are a coach and you see signs of progress beyond just the quarterback. So I have to ask you about the head coach. Bad Eberflus on Sunday was more aggressive than he was a week before. I don't know what changed. Dave, I don't know if, if a coach, and you can speak to this, has you know an evolution process that he goes through as well. You talk about developing a quarterback. How about developing a head coach? The conservative guy who punted and pinned against the Giants was the same guy that went for two early in the uh, third quarter uh, after scoring a touchdown, 21-16, did the onside kick, went for it on fourth and four. What changed in your mind or did anything, and he just he's taken advantage of an opportunities that were there? Well, I think early on when they were a little bit more conservative, you're always optimistic as a coach that we can do these things and we can still score enough points to win the game. You know, now all of a sudden the realization comes in, eh, we're not as talented in these areas and we're not as experienced in these areas. And the, we, we, I was pondering on this table a week ago. We all talked about it. Throw the ball down the field. <clears throat> you know, they had four pass plays over 20 yards. They came out and they, and they threw one down the field. They completed it. Mooney made a great catch. Yep. The, another one, a deep ball was open. And Justin, <clears throat> I don't know if it was – Justin, or if it was Pettis, who was off, but they didn't complete it. And then they got the pass interference penalty. And then the screenplay. Let's talk about this, the second or third play of the game. And and I'm going to give Luke Getze credit for, for this, the offensive coordinator, because he knows now. Now you know where your talent is and who can make plays for you, okay? And they they run a screen early, and they put David Montgomery lined up out there in a receiver position. Other teams <clears throat> run that play, and they and they throw it to a receiver. Right. Why was Montgomery out there? Because he's one of the best guys on our team to get the football. So, you know, you got to look at Came out and said he's got to take the short one that's there. It felt like he's gotten better, and they've done a better job at scheming up singles and layups for him. Would you agree? Absolutely. Great question. And we call mitigated risk explosives. So we talk a lot about them. Uh, kind of this offensive inner circle. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get, you can accomplish a few things with them. Number one, you get to protect your offensive line. Okay, number two, you get your quarterback a layup. And number three, you formation, motion, shift, whatever you need to do to get your playmaker the ball. They start the game with one. I mean, the first play after they have the substitution flaw, 
they throw a cool little uh, tunnel screen to the back where they kick out with the receivers and release the center left guard uh, into the flat. And they get, I think, what, 20 out of it? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the fly play, we call it fly, is really well formation and really well thought out of it. Everybody tries to run fly. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Everybody tries to run fly. Only a handful of people know how to really run it. They obviously know how to run it. I think I said that a couple of weeks ago. Um, so it's in their repertoire. It's in their foundation offensively, and they know how to uh, smoke and mirror it to get uh, get it at critical times, and they got the touchdown out of it. Those are really important things in modern-day football. What you'll hear the TV analysts say when Andy Reid does is, oh, my gosh, he's so creative. He just draws better plays than everybody else. Part of that's true, but you know every corner in football right now is challenged to find these risk-adverse explosive opportunities because you protect so many people doing them, and it puts so much stress on the defense to have to prepare for them week in and week out that it helps your basic stuff become better too. And then the next thing that, just to the naked eye, it really did seem like there was Justin Fields before the crazy Darnell Mooney catch. And then there was Justin Fields after the crazy Darnell Mooney catch, including the entirety of the second half where he basically pitched a perfect game. We've spent so much time, Trent, talking about how he doesn't have enough of a supporting cast. There were drops yesterday. There were you know big plays taken off the board because of penalties, all of this stuff. Is that a real thing? Like a guy makes a play for you and then you settle down and find – confidence, a rhythm, momentum, whatever you would call it, because it seemed no. like he just needed one thing to happen, and then he locked in. No doubt. I, we've kind of created this culture where we think all quarterbacks are perfect, and they're just robots, and you know they do their job exactly the way they're supposed to be taught. We're still emotional, right? We still, we still go with the ebb and flows of a game, unfortunately, sometimes too much. But yeah, when a guy makes a big play for you, when there's energy in the offense, uh, it, it breathes an extra... Um, piece of confidence to the guy running the show, the quarterback. So I think those are real things. I think Justin's doing a really good job getting uh, shortening his funks. There was what at the second series of the first half, he makes a terrible throw. It's really an only bad throw behind an outbreaking route in the left flat. Um, but he bounces back pretty quickly. You know, he takes the bad sack late in the two minute drill, and the next play, he makes an incredible step back, like guys on his feet step back, finds his check down, and Montgomery goes for 20 to get the first down. Like He's really doing a nice job of not compounding mistakes since the first game. Right, That first game, and yes, there was some other stuff going on there, but it just seemed like things snowballed in a negative way. Um, he's, he's getting out of these little funks rather quickly, which all great quarterbacks do. So Dan Aguirre, what did you think there, brother? Oh, well, a lot of it is the same things that we were saying and thinking, not to, like, you know, pound our chest here. But uh, the most obvious there at the end uh, is the fluidity. I remember going back to week one. Again, not to, I'm not here to just pound my own cock, but we were talking about the keys of the game. And I, my, my number one thing I said uh, for a Bears victory against San Francisco was get Justin into a rhythm. We needed to establish fluidity, and and everyone kind of, you know, just was just like, oh, okay, let's move on to the next one. You know, it was like no one addressed it or disputed it or said it was a good point. Or, but 
I thought that that's what he needed more than anything was just to to have something positive, consistent, and in for the first time all season, I really felt like he got, like I said, fluidity or a zone or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and it was palpable. Everybody seemed to have seen it. You know, every everyone on the radio, everyone watching the game, and now people are thinking maybe Justin's the guy, and it's just how quickly. Uh, a week or two can change people's opinions about him. Uh, but I, I like that. And I like the Eberflus aggressiveness. And I, I asked uh, the other day on this last night, I'll ask you now, let's assume when it's 29 to 22 and the bears are driving, mm-hmm. let's say they score and it's 29, 28. Does Flus go for two? I think he does. He was feeling so aggressive. I mean, the onside kick is an example of why I think he would have. Um, he knows his defense is just shitting the bed is what I'm saying. They just <laughs> they just gave up like a, a six-and-a-half, seven-and-a-half-minute drive mm-hmm. when they had the lead and just let him go straight down the field for 80-plus yards or whatever. I think he's like, our defense is gassed. They're not getting to the quarterback. Let's go for the victory here. I think he would have. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about the defense because uh, defensive coordinator Allen Williams was asked, you know, why is the uh, first half a problem for this defense? Why why are they sucking ass in the first half? They did make some plays, uh, but I still would like to think it's more about us than it is about, about them. It's still about uh, owning your gap. It's still about uh, reading your keys. It's still about tackling. It's still about um, you know doing those type of things more so than it is uh, about them. And you know what? As a coordinator, I have to take some ownership of that too. That um, you know I I have to call uh, call a better better first half to, to help the guys out. I, I do believe it's player and coach, coach and player. So uh, it's it's both. For nine seasons, we heard Lovey's team say, read your keys, and it's back. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's this defense. It's about yeah. reading your keys. It's about gap integrity, and it's about good tackling. So he was asked, you know, why in the second half were, was it better? Did you, you know, did you make improvements? I mean, did you make schematic changes? And he actually said no, and then he was challenged in that saying, well, Nicholas Morrow was in here on Monday, and he said that you did. It's, it's still execution. Uh, running our stunts better, uh, tackling better, uh, forcing the football better. One of the things we said we had needed to set edges and uh, stay alive on the backside, and um, and we we did that. And it's it, it's you know football is not rocket science. It's still about owning your gaps. It's still about uh, blocking. It's still about tackling. We'd like to say it's it's doing the ordinary things better than anyone else. And so uh, it was still the the ordinary things. Uh, um, I'd like to say I'm a genius and I came up with something great uh, the second half, but um, I, I didn't. He's lying. Why? He's lying. I mean, it's false humility or something like he clearly did make an adjustment with the, the coverage that the corners were playing. They were playing way off in the first half. And the, I don't want to say they were playing 1970s Raiders bump and run, but they were definitely in much tighter on Justin Jefferson in the second half. I mean, you know, Thielen didn't do much. It was just that fucking Irv Smith Jr. and and uh, Jefferson that were killing us. But for the most part, the corners were in way tighter. I don't know what 
exact coverage was in terms of how far off, but it was significantly tighter. Well, it's funny that you would say that, Mr. Dan Aguirre, because again, he was challenged and he then finally shared some examples of some of the schematic changes. Well, one of the things we said with um, uh, with the receiver, we wanted to make sure that we put our hands on him whenever we could and then underneath guys identify where he was and drop so that um, so that when they, there weren't big open windows. We wanted to make sure one of the things we say, hey, slow to you know if it's zone coverage. So that means the backers aren't at the line of scrimmage. They're waiting to see uh, if it's run or play action. And if it's play action, they're dropping deeper underneath um, so their eyes are correct. Uh, corners, we want to make sure that they're getting hands on the receiver and so they stay connected if it's a, an over route. Uh, so they're just uh, yeah, execution type of things that um, the second half they ran the same play and we were more connected, had deeper drops, and uh, it turned out to be a, a two-yard gain. He checked it down to the tight end and uh, we tackled him for, I think, maybe four or five yards rather than uh, 13 or 14 yards. You caught him. You caught him, Mr. Aguirre. You should have been in that meeting. Why, why didn't he just say that the first time he was asked the question? Um, I, I think that he is a very humble uh, guy. I think you, you nailed it when you said humility. But, but, you know, I mean, I felt like he just didn't want to give the media anything. And it's going back to John Fox or something there where you're yeah. just not answering straight questions. Um, the bottom line is I wish that he would have answered why they refused to make that adjustment in the first half, especially when the the three possessions look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Well, and at, at a certain point in the press conference, he said, you know, after they got off to that, what, 14-point uh, lead or, or it was 21 to 3, he said to himself, he, he was speaking to himself, Alan, you, you got to do something. You got to help these players out. You got to help these players. And then that's when he kind of, hit himself over the head and started saying, okay, we can make these adjustments and play more cover two and stuff. So excuse me. There was a rumor going around that Eberflus was calling the plays in the second half. Yeah. I asked, uh, I asked Greg Gabriel about that. He, he said, I don't think so. And, and frankly, I agree with him. I gotta, I, I gotta believe that this was a collective. I don't think Eberflus to me has shown himself to be the type of guy who, when he delegates something, he's not going to take it back. He's 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 a true CEO. This is a guy similar to Mark Tressman, who used a lot of corporate ideas, uh, corporate strategy ideas in terms of leadership. Eberflus is doing that without the nerdiness. Eberflus is doing that without the bullshit uh, technical terms like you know concepts in our toolbox or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, Iberflus is doing that, and I doubt, highly, highly doubt he would have stripped Al, uh, Alan Williams of that because that would have been so, to me, it would have been worse for the team if you didn't fire him afterwards. I mean, you, you promise him that, hey, I want you to do it your way. I want you to put your stamp on this defense, and then you're going to take him away after one half where things are going poorly? I don't know, man. Well, I'm just saying that's some speculation that was going around. Yeah, I heard it. With addition, additional points to the defense, uh, you know, Robert Quinn suddenly looks like Khalil Mack. <laughs> zero pressure, zero sacks, zero tackles, no tackles no, he for losses. Khalil Mack has five sacks. <laughs> well, I'm just saying when he was a bear. And Khalil had, what, three in the first game? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, oh, he won't even get 10. He'll mm-hmm. get three in the first game and still won't get to 10. Yeah. But uh, anyway, but Robert Quinn's got to wake up. And, you know, he, he said for two years, basically, that he liked playing a defensive end in a 4-3 much better. That was part of the process of me saying to you, I thought the defense would be better because they worked on the secondary. And, you know, we could get Jalen Johnson back Thursday, and that, and, and that will help. But Quinn has to get some pressure. And furthermore, so far, I mean, you, you got to be kind of disappointed in 99 as well. It's like he's had a couple of plays here or there, but not the kind that I thought he was going to make. I agree. I agree. Yeah, he's He needs to step it up. Um, and I think we're going to start to see that. I really do believe it, especially uh, this Thursday night. Um, the well, having said up, that – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you agree that they're going to step up, and 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 I kind of agree to that they're going to they're they're going to get some players back. They're getting Harry back. They're or he hasn't been there yet, but being a big bodied receiver that's going to join the team suddenly. And you've got your corners coming back, you know. And at some point, white hair might come back and make a difference. I don't know, but the point is, uh, if if these players can come back and help make a difference like we think they can, then why are we like, you know, David Kaplan and Jay Hood so like, oh, they're going to have a better draft pick than you even think? Uh, yeah. That implying that they're, they're going to go like two and, you know, 15. And like, I still don't understand why that is. If, if if the premise is that Justin's getting better and he's proving that he's a better player than people were giving him credit for, then that means he's going to elevate players around him. Exactly. So why would they only win two or three games? I just, I, I, to that, I still don't understand that. Uh, why it's so that everyone thinks the Bears can't win any games this year. I, I just don't see it. Well, I mean, let's take a quick look at the schedule here. And uh, if they don't win uh, week six this Thursday night against the Washington Commodores, I like to call them, um, then they, they may be right. Then we are going to see a four, five, six, one uh, season. But I believe they're going to win, and I believe they're going to uh, beat the shit out of the New England Patriots. What is that, uh, 11 days later? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's almost two weeks later. You don't want that bad taste in your mouth right? from losing to Washington. But think about this, too. If they beat Washington, they're going to be 3-0 and at home this year. Yep. And, yep. and th- then you just, you're, it's almost like a tennis analogy. If that's the case, and you can say this about Minnesota and Green Bay as well, you know, okay, they held serve. We yeah. didn't break them, but, you know, we'll have our chance to serve too, and maybe we'll get some aces in there. Right. So, I mean, if they if they win this week, and I know they'll win against the Patriots, I just really believe they'll go up to New England and steal that game. I'm not as confident that they'll go to Dallas and win that game. But back home, week nine and week 10, I don't give a shit who the offensive weapons are for the Miami Dolphins. If Teddy Bridgewater or um, uh, 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 Tua Tungavialoa are not the quarterback, then that, that's got to be a victory. And, of course, we're going to beat the shit out of the uh, Detroit Lions. By the way, where the fuck is Don Burr? I was- where the fuck is he? I was really shocked because Detroit had been scoring so many points that they were shut out by the Patriots. Because they finally have had it with that fucking joke of a head coach, Dan Campbell. They finally just said, you know what? 
we've been listening to this shit and look at our record. Fuck this. We're we're just going we're not going to even try anymore. He's lost that team as I predicted he would. I said he wouldn't last 2 years. He may not last a year and a half. That guy Oh, he's in the chat room. <laughs> he's busy watching his feed. He says. <laughs> Welcome, Dan Campbell. Do you know where your fucking son is, Don Burr? Because he sucks. He's around. I don't want to talk any home. shit about Detroit. I, but I don't. I, I, I'll tell you this. Don Burr comes on here and he talks shit about the Bears. Talks shit about the Bears. But he doesn't have the balls, the guts, the decency to show up here after his fucking team loses 29 to nothing. Don Burr, show us some balls. <laughs> Good point. I'm just saying, if, if you eliminate Don Burr out of the equation, I just, you know, I don't want to talk any shit about Detroit. We got two games with them, and anything can happen. You remember the game that we had that huge lead at Soldier Field uh, at the end of 2020, oh, and Nagy's oh. team, Nagy managed to, yes. to lose that. Yeah, see, yeah, I, man, fuck that. Uh, we, we still got to play him twice. Let's not talk any shit, and let's calmly take care of business yeah, with I, detroit uh, but go I, back I, to the schedule graphic if you don't mind please no not at all i made it for you man <laughs> all right so all right if you if you beat washington there you're you're at 500 right right new england you got two weeks to prepare we typically don't beat them we haven't beaten them since 2000 uh but you know we're due mm -hmm. uh we usually do beat dallas ironically at true. least when Jay Cutler was here, he always beat Dallas. And then Josh McCown beat Dallas, it, you know, uh, and Miami, like uh, they've never, they haven't lost us at Soldier Field since 88, but they've only been a couple of times. Again, you may have two are coming back a little bit off balance, so to speak, not into a rhythm yet. And then you got substitutes. That, I mean, they, they just lost to the Jets. They've lost two in a row since Tua has gotten, you know, pounded. So maybe that's winnable. We hope it's winnable. Detroit, it, it, at best, is 50-50, you think. I mean, even if the Bears are struggling, they could still, in theory, beat Detroit. Atlanta's not exactly a gangbuster kind of team. The Jets have won a few in a row, but you can't tell me by week 12 that you think the Jets are going to be, like, you know, fucking nine wins already. I mean, that's a winnable game, even if it is on the road. Mm -hmm. Then you got the pack, you know, that you know what that is. That's, you know, we got to find a way. You got to buy. Philly looks great right now, but it's at home. Buffalo looks great. It's at home, at least. You, you just, you never know. Somebody could get hurt, you know, anything. I'm not advocating that happening, but just things happen in terms of it's December 24th. What if there's a fucking snowstorm? Yep. And then it, all bets are off if you've got, I mean, I know Buffalo's in a cold weather town too, but if you got a game like the Niners game with the rain mm -hmm. and you got all that snow, anything could happen. Then you got Detroit again and you got Minnesota. And I think we owe those motherfuckers by week 18. I think we're going to win that game. So I think they're in it. They're in it. That's all I can tell you. They're two and three right now, in my opinion. If you look at it, we beat San Francisco. We deserve to lose in Green Bay. I thought Field scored after you said that and looked at the replay. But you know what? We couldn't stop the run. Well, I'll say they deserve that victory. We stole one from the Texans. They outplayed us, but we got the win. And the Giants stole one from us. I feel like if the Bears had gotten into any rhythm, the Bears would have beaten the Giants. But then again, they come back and beat Green Bay. Right. So who? it's a crazy league, man. It's like that cliche, any given Sunday. Yep. And the Bears are in this. I don't care what any of them say. So I don't like the, oh, well, we're going to have a high draft pick. You don't know that. 
We don't right. know it's a losing season yet. You just don't. Well, and adding more weight to your theory is that this season we are seeing a, a plethora of 500-type quality teams. This seems to be a, a season where parity is really shining, and this seems to be a season where scoring is really low, which is to the Bears' favor given that their offense is still – in, in its infancy. And so that would allow, and as we, as you just mentioned, and looking at the schedule, if the bears could stay healthy and, and, and actually get healthier so that guys that are injured can come back and play at a decent or high level, then you never know. Uh, you never know. Indeed. And here is that uh, play that you were talking about. This is the uh, pass interference call. That was just a bullshit fucking call. Oh. We'll show the replay here coming up. I believe I loaded it twice with uh, stop motion, slow motion. This is called Aldo Vision. Watch Fields make the move. All of a sudden, we go to slow motion. And look it. That's not oh, a that's That is fucking acting if I've ever seen it. And uh, the play with Harrison Smith in the end zone, mm-hmm. what, the, the one on Mooney, that would have been interference in 1975 when, when the clothesline was still legal. Yep, because back then it was called face guarding. Mm-hmm. That I mean, the rule's always been you can't just put your fucking hands in the face and not make a, a play for the ball. His head is turned. His head is completely turned. He's got. Do you know the play I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Hell yeah, I do. And the I Harrison Smith play. That's a pi. If your boy Mahomes is throwing that, they call that a pi all day. And that's why I hate Mahomes because he gets everything handed to him constantly. The one time that somebody put pressure on him, he fucking melted like cheese in a microwave. He still, he still fucking played great in that game. What are you talking about? In the about? Super Bowl? Yes. Oh, fuck. Maybe the Super Bowl before, and he didn't do that well against San Francisco either. But this, the second one against Tampa, he got his fucking balls handed to him. And it's because he finally got some hits. So they were allowed to hit him. The only reason they were allowed to hit him is because Brady was with Tampa. Any other team gets flags thrown on because it's Patrick Mahomes. What about but that I, the fucking sacks that were called uh, the Tom Brady? I, I, I wish I would have fucking loaded these replays. Did you see the Tom Brady play? From what? The last year's playoffs or this no, past no, weekend? No, this past Sunday. No, I didn't watch any of that Falcons game. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons uh, defensive lineman Grady Jackson uh, brings down uh, 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 Tom Brady it's a fucking simple tackle, and they called roughing the passer, and that allowed. That's the Aaron Rodgers rule. Yep, and the one where they're like, you can't hit uh, Aaron because right. he's Aaron. Right, and and people in the in the chat room, you already helped me out with the Grady Jarrett. Who who was the guy uh, last night who actually fucking stripped the ball? He fucking strips the ball, and so with one hand he's. Bracing himself, falling. In the other hand, he's got the ball, and they fucking call roughing the passer when he's fucking making no contact with the quarterback. It's I guess funny. that was uh, the Raiders uh, on Mahomes, right? Right. Yes. Of course. The no, fucking no. course. The golden boy. You can't hit him. You Chris can't Jones. fucking hit. Him. Chris Jones was the guy. And no, it wasn't. Also, you're saying that that was on car then? Yes, it was on car. My, oh, my, okay. My, yes. So, I mean, it was it was such a bogus call. And then Chris Jones, again, I wish I would have fucking loaded this. He passionately said, hey, I understand. I understand why they're fucking calling these close because of the Tua situation and, and you know, that horrible 
a, a fuck up by the NFL. I understand why they're doing it, but if they're going to do that, if they're going to cl- call it closer, then they also have to make it reviewable. Because in my situation, and I'm paraphrasing here, in my situation, he said, that was clearly not a fucking uh, roughing the passer. It's impossible. I have the ball in one hand. I have, I'm bracing myself for the fall in the, in, in the other hand. That should be reviewable. And if you're going to go to the extreme of protecting quarterbacks to that degree, then you need to also protect the integrity of the game. Those are my words, not his. Well, you know, I like that. And if you could have challenged that, that uh, the block in the back that they called there on, on 17 uh, on fields is run. Even if they were able to challenge that, the league would have just fucked it up and said the call stands. Yeah. They would have yeah. just said it. But again, if that's KC, they reverse it. Mm-hmm. And the, that dr- it's meant it, the, the NFL is essentially the WWE. Now, follow me on this. When they're pushing Roman Reigns down your throat for four fucking straight years because he's their top guy now, and before that was Cena, and before that was Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan, the point is they're pushing their guy. The commentators suck their their dick. They tell the story. That's what the NFL does. That's what Chris Collinsworth does. He pushes that narrative. They're told, in my opinion, they're told what to say. They they have superstars just like wrestling, and that's Patrick Mahomes, that's Aaron Rodgers, and that's Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. That's their guys, and they're always gonna fucking give them preferential treatment, and it makes me sick. That's why I told like last night, and everybody's just giving me shit on Twitter over Mahomes. I'm like, that's like sucking up to the fucking the the guy in high school who's just popular. Fuck you him. You told me that. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it was it wasn't just you. It was a, a couple of people on the thread. It's just like I thought you were referring to me. I was no, like, no, no. It was just everyone that was on the thread. It's like. It's just like him, Mahomes. Just be, you know, it's like you said. It's like the rich kid in school, and fuck him. I don't. I'm, I have no reason to like him. I love Patrick Mahomes, and part of it is because when I saw his college tape, I said, if I'm going to pick a fucking quarterback in this draft, it's not going to be Mitchell Trubisky because he's only got one year experience. It's not going to be Deshaun Watson because he throws so many interceptions, and it's not going to be Deshaun Kaiser because he's from Notre Dame. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes, the guy that does magic. I know he's got all of these fucking flaws, but he does magic. It reminds me of a young Brett Favre. Yeah, and you saw what happened to Brett Favre when he wasn't on a bomb squad anymore. From like 2003, four, five, six, he was, you know, just throwing a bunch of stupid interceptions. And to me, that's who Mahomes is going to be when he's not surrounded, when he's not surrounded by a Pro Bowl team and not getting every call. There's no fucking quarterback in the history of the game who's won a Super Bowl all by himself. You've got to have a good offensive line. You've got to have receivers who make big catches. You've got to have a good defense, maybe even a great defense. So, I don't know what you're saying by that. Mahomes what I'm saying is, like, as much as I hate, as much as I hate Aaron Rodgers, he's been consistent. Whether the team has been great or not great or what have you, year over year, year after year, I hear whine and hear about how he doesn't have good receivers and all this shit, which I think is an exaggeration. But I'm just saying, with Mahomes, like right now, he's on a team. If we're playing Madden, where everyone's rated 95, 96, 97, you put him on an average team. He's an average player. I hate to say this, you put Rodgers wherever the fuck he wants to go, and he's a great player. I don't like Rodgers at all, and I hate saying that. But to me, Mahomes is great because of the situation he's in. If Mahomes would have come to Chicago, we wouldn't be seeing all this shit right now. For one, he would get be getting his dick knocked in the dirt every play, and he wouldn't get any calls the way he does in Kansas City. So 
To me, you put Rodgers on the worst team in the league, especially when he's younger, he's going to make them better. I, I just see Mahomes as Favre, and Favre made stupid mistakes constantly, which is what got them into trouble when he wasn't surrounded by a great team. And I think that that's who Mahomes is. But I've rambled too much about Patrick Mahomes. No, you have not rambled too much, but I disagree. I disagree. And then one more time, I disagree. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. I want to talk a little bit about the Bears offense. I got some sound here from uh, Mr. Getze, who, by the way, I believe in Luke Getze. I am a Luke Getze fan and he said uh early on in his press conference this morning or this afternoon that uh, justin fields is getting better every week there's been progress right and we're sticking to the plan um you know he i thought he put, did a really nice job um in that game in the sense of like he kept his composure right they got off to a big lead uh, he kept the team together um, he did a really good job uh hunting completions for us and then you know he had three or four unbelievable escapes that like were just ridiculous so um yeah no I thought he did an, a, a pretty good job again it's we're getting a little bit better each week and that's that's truly that's that's our purpose that's our goal I like that he's got a fucking plan you know and he's not rushing things for this development of this quarterback I'm sorry if you want to win now and so forth but he is taking a very calculated approach to development of this player that it's based on several factors one of them is offensive line how good are they wide receivers how good are they you you think that they've been running the ball this much you think that they prepared to run the ball this much because they were fucking confident they had all these great offensive uh, aerial weapons and so forth? No, they they surveyed the field. They saw that they couldn't fucking pass block. They saw that they didn't have receivers who can consistently get open or hold on to the fucking ball. And so the plan was to slowly develop Justin Fields and the rest of the aerial attack. And so you see it getting better and better and better. I got into a, 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 a Twitter debate with Jordan Silvera, who loves to bash the Chicago Bears, but I don't think he sees the big picture in what the Chicago Bears are doing. He compared the New York Giants and Brian Dable because he loves Brian Dable, wants to suck Brian Dable's dick or whatever. And he compared uh, Brian Dable to what the uh, and what he inherited to what Eberflus inherited, and it's, it's no fucking. No fucking way. The New York Giants had like nine draft picks before the Bears picked their fourth player in the draft, which was Braxton Jones. Nine draft picks, including two in the top seven. So for Jordan to say that the teams were equal in talent is narrow-minded. And no, it's not narrow-minded. It's just fucking wrong. And Barkley, I know he's gotten injured a couple of times, ironically, against the Bears, I think, in two of those. Uh, but at the time, he was considered like the best back, like a guy that could have been like the Emmett Smith role in the 90s. Like he was like, you know, the Adrian, the best back maybe since AP, that when people, when he was coming out of the draft, that's the kind of way, way he was marketed, like a top five pick. So, I mean, David Montgomery's good, don't get me wrong, but he didn't have that kind of hype. So oh. you're, you're talking about what on paper is supposed to be a Hall of Fame level running back with, like you said, all those draft picks. I, I agree with you on that, but. You know, whatever. I don't want to get into any discussions about Jordan. So, why? Uh, How come? Because <laughs> I feel like if we were comedians, he's here just to heckle us. 
Yeah, he he's a heckler. I'm a heck. I'm heckling him, him back. That's what I'm doing. I don't know if there. I mean, he might. I feel like maybe he says things just to get a reaction. No, he, I don't even know if he believes in what he's saying. Is what no, I'm saying. I, I think he does. I think he's a really, really fucking smart. I, I wish I was. I didn't say he wasn't smart. I mean, I wish I was as fucking smart as him. But I do think that he is wrong sometimes, and he's the guy. Jordan is the guy that. I know the answer. I know the answer. And so I want to stop him from doing that because you don't know all the answers. <laughs> the one thing I will say, if we get back on to the bears thing, uh, I mean, unless you want to elaborate, elaborate farther uh, with Getsy, I was just going to say, the thing is, I don't know if I want to give him praise for Sunday. I think Justin deserves more of the praise because, you know, you were watching a game on TV. I was watching a game on TV and you're sending a text. So I'll wait till you. No, I, I'm listening to you. Go ahead. I'm saying everybody watching the game, whether we were in Minnesota or, or wherever the fuck we were, could sense that suddenly he's into a rhythm. And you don't have to be Lou Getze. I mean, in the second half, they weren't the, the few times they ran the ball, they weren't going anywhere. But it just felt like, all right, put number one in the shotgun because he's got it going right now. So what I'm saying is you could be a bum. Not I'm not calling Getze a bum. But you could have been John Shoup or Matt Nagy. Or Mark Tressman, although Tressman's a good coordinator. I don't want to call him a bum. He's proven over the years to get respect in that aspect. But, but you could be the worst coordinator we've had, Terry Shea, you know, and they could see that Fields has got it right now, so just keep passing. I don't think that had anything to do with the Giants game or building or creating anything. Maybe it does, but to me, that's all Fields suddenly getting hot and showing you that he's got it. At least we yeah. hope that he's got it. Hey, when I say that I like Luke Getze, it's not that I think he's infallible. It's not like I don't think he's, you know, I think he's made bad decisions. I mean, I think he's made some play calls. I like him too. There he is. Look at how handsome he looks as he's toasting the show. <laughs> yeah, the great Getz, uh, Gatsby in that regard, but the great Getze. I love it. <laughs> nice job, Tooch. Um, I, I, you know, he has made some mistakes, but I do believe in the overall approach that he is taking, that Eberflus is taking, and uh, Ryan Pose yeah, with Williams. I think the the, the jury is still out. I, I appreciate, you know, when I listen to Williams, I really appreciate what he's saying and stuff. But I, I don't know really if he is as good as a defensive corner as I want him to be, uh, but. Poles, Eberflus, and Getze. I'm big, big fucking fans of those guys. Big fans. All right. I want to play a couple more uh, Getze uh, Fields sound bites. Here he is talking about Fields compose. Did I even play this already? Yeah, I did. I just after the fumble, right? I played, I played that one. Yeah, well, yeah. Then he was asked about, uh, have you given latitude to Justin Fields to start calling audibles? We have a plan um, each week. And he's been doing a really good job of handling that plan. And so, you know, that was a question that people would ask all the time in my previous situation, right? That was always like a big deal. And uh, when you had someone that's in the league that long, like you gave them, like he, like he called the two minutes and he, you know, he handled a lot of stuff. We're not, we're not going there yet. You know I mean? That's, that's down the road. Um, but no, we, we have a plan and there's a lot on his plate. And so he does a great job handling. It's not like we just call and run a play and then that's it. What I took that to mean, uh, Dan, is that he is allowed to call audibles on certain plays, not anytime he wants, you know, because they don't want to add too much to his plate. So during the week as they're installing the game plan, they'll say, all right, if this situation happens, then audible to this. 
And so th- that's the plan. And eventually, he, he, he said in the press conference, eventually he'll get to that point where Aaron Rodgers and some of the veteran quarterbacks are where you can fucking call an audible when you're having sex. Hey, I want that guy. I want that girl. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> right? Or he, right now, so he's kind of like Ditka with Harbaugh. Like, don't you fucking call that auto, that audible in the Metrodome in Week Five? You don't know more than me. That's what he said at the time. Greatest moments in Chicago Bears history. As bad as I felt for Jim, it was just so entertaining to see Ditka go off on that. Community. And it's Neil Anderson's fault. Like people forget that too. Like his read was the right one, but Neil Anderson didn't fucking hear the play or something. So mm-hmm. it's just. Anyway, do you, do you have sound? Oh, of course I agree that he's better than Mitch, but do we have any sound? Because I didn't hear the if this was asked. Was he asked about Getsy or even Eberflus like about the first play of the game when you don't have enough people on the field? There's like two things that happened Sunday where I said both times, there's nothing more bears than this. Your first play of the game, the Minnesota's just gone down the field at seven nothing. First play of the game, we don't have enough people on the field. Secondly, misspelling David Montgomery's name on his jersey. Who else does that but the Bears? <laughs> have you ever seen that with any other team? Uh, any other team? Misspelling of a jersey, I've seen that before, yes. With a guy in his fourth year on the team? Well, I don't know. I, David I, Montgomery should have told his agent, just get me out of here. They can't even spell my fucking know. name. Oh, it's just they don't even know who I am. Yeah, but it's you know that fucking shit happens. You know, I how I look at your name sometimes, and I want to add a second R because of Mark Aguirre. I get it, but (laughs) but if I were on the team, like if I ordered a jersey from NFL Shop and I customize it, they've I mean, if they misspell what I ordered. You know, they've got to give me – they're, they're not going to misspell it, that's what I'm saying. They know this custom order has to be correct. No, if, mistakes happen, like – and that's not on – For the Chicago Bears, it. though? Uh, that's who is Tony Medlin's successor? Because isn't that his job? Isn't wasn't that the responsibility? Is that job making sure that all the jerseys were correct and you know everything was set with uniforms? I think that's their responsibility. Fucking Eberflus is not going to be checking jerseys. All right, uh, uh, Fields, that's spelled correctly. Number two, who's number two on the team? The kicker Santos. That's he's not going to do that. Carlos Santos, the John Fox drop. <laughs> that's right. I was if you. Can- can't spell Montgomery, right? <laughs> then that person's got to be fired. <laughs> Wait a minute, I gotta drop. Sometimes we suck. Sometimes we're funny. Oh, stop. <laughs> well, what about that first play of the game then? Like first play of the Bears drive. You can't have to call a timeout on the first fucking play of the game. It was asked about that, and Eberflus's response uh, response was uh yeah, we need to do better than that. Next question. Good answer. I mean, it's not answering it, but it's a good answer. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love to know. Isn't there some coach on the field who is, is should know? All right. Oh, we got all the correct players out on the field. You know, there has there has to be a response. They do that on punt returns. They have someone counting. Yes. The return man counts. I. I, I, I I'm going to blame Sam Mustafer just because. <laughs> <laughs> Even if Olin Cruz wants to fuck me up because of it. 
It almost feels like the only reason this this guy's still playing is because Olin wants him to play. <laughs> because and the Bears Olin are too go, afraid to do anything. Olin will go kick somebody's ass if they punch him. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what I'm saying, man. Like <laughs> I know Lucas Patrick is hasn't been that good at left guard, as you know. But, He's got to be better on his hand. I mean, there's oh, got to be. You could put Patrick at center and put somebody else at left guard, and let's go. Like. Mustafer is the weak link out there. See, my theory is is that they're worried that the whoever is going would replace uh, Patrick at the left guard position is worse, or that it's Mustafer. No, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know it's like I told Danny and and John Buffon. On Bring Sunday. Schofield back, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, but it's like these guys videotape every fucking practice, and so if they're seeing one of the practice guys, like the rookies, Terry Carter or Schofield, if they're playing really good in practice, then of course they're going to say, "Hey, this guy might be one of the best five. Let's let him play on Thursday." But I don't think they're seeing anything on those practice tapes that uh, is convincing them that. The five they got starting now is better, you know, that they don't, they have somebody who could be better. So I, I have to take their word out of it. I don't think they want their quarterback to be clobbered. <laughs> so here, uh, I got a soundbite from uh, Justin Fields. This was the big news thing that was trending. Justin Fields is now breathing. You know, he's breathing in a way. I actually have done this because I've I've dealt with anxiety and stress in my life. And so I learned many years ago that you take four seconds of inhalation and eight seconds out from your mouth, that that helps settle down the nerves. Well, Justin Fields just learned that from a yoga instructor on the team. Now, honestly, if I'm being real, I think it has something to do with my breathing. Like, I've been working on my breathing, like, during the games, like, just, you know, in slow, like, four seconds and out slow. And I think just doing that, you know, automatically, like, keeps me more calm um, in the pocket. And just really, like, during the game, like, <laughs> to be honest, I don't even like doing pregame speeches because I feel like I'm, you know, so much calmer than everybody else when the defensive guys are all, like, juiced up, ready to go. I just try to stay, like, chill, like, the the whole time. So, yeah. Is an offshoot of that, of slowing things down, or not of slow, however you want to put it, is it, is part of that, Having better just awareness and understanding of where pressure is coming from and, you know, that you can just kind of move out of the way or move up from it? Yeah, just knowing when you're, uh, where your protection is going to and knowing, you know, uh, if they do send a blitz, you know, where where's the weakness of your protection. And, of course, if somebody flashes through, you got to see that and uh, just, you know, have, like, just presence in the pocket, kind of just feel it, feel it out rather than, you know, look at it, but just feel it out. With the breathing, when did you... Kind of learn that cadence and uh, actually, yeah. So we have a, a yoga instructor coming come in. I don't know if y'all know, but we have a yoga instructor come in uh, like two days before the game. So I kind of just learned it from her. Just you know, staying like br the breathing stuff, and um, it just you know allows you to stay calm and you know working out. So I try to just work on my breathing like as much as I can, really. Is it something you're doing between plays? Yeah, like literally between plays. Like after the long run, I'll come back and just like slow my breathing down, and I feel like it, you know. I feel like I don't get as tired like in the game too. So I think it definitely um, has a lot of benefits for sure. You know, if Deshaun Watson was on this team, I bet you he would have that yoga instructor rub his balls. Oh man. <laughs> Isn't that interesting though? It's like, you know, this guy who has played in the biggest college football games of all time meets a yoga instructor as a pro and she instructs him on how to breathe. And all of a sudden he's saying, yeah, this simple breathing technique is helping me remain calm. It's helping me, me play better. It's helping me, you know, uh, see the game slower. 
imagine if this fucking guy started to do, you know, yoga exercises and stuff, he probably would fly to the end zone or something. It's pretty, pretty cool story. I would love to interview that yoga instructor. Love to. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like something Brady would have admitted while he's wearing his Uggs or something, you know? <laughs> that is so true. Although I don't think he'll wear Uggs now that he apparently he's getting a divorce, but isn't it ironic again, his wife is worth more than him. Oh, so yeah. yeah. So the divorce, although he looks so stressed and like unhappy, like he's, he's, he's chill for this divorce. I mean, come on, he's going to get all kinds of pussy now. Maybe well, he'll go back to his first baby mama, but either way, he's not losing any money. Yeah. Well, I, are you sure about that? Because I know um, she's got... I, I, Isn't she worth like 10 million more than he is? At least, I think. Yeah, so I don't know why why he would lose any money. But it all depends on the prenup, right? I mean, what she's going to contend is, I sacrificed my career so that he could play football. So this is how much money I, I lost out on this is how much money my ex-husband owes me. I think that's the approach he's going to take. Well, Tom Brady, it couldn't happen to a better guy, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I, I <laughs> hope that Tom Brady it loses all his wealth, and I hope that Aaron Rodgers, um, how is it that you would put it? <laughs> I don't know. I, got, I think I got a sound by here. Oh, man, I can't find it. Well, Brady's got like a $500 million deal with Fox as soon as he, his career's over, though. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, Aldo. Jesus Christ, Aldo. <laughs> Why Jesus Christ, moving? Aldo. Well, I don't know. What, Jesus- what's that? But I think that was during the Bring Back Phil bits, right? <laughs> that was exactly it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Teach and I started digging back into those old 100-proof uh, drops. It's it's fun to hear some of them. Although Tooch loaded a bunch of them that I know draft Dr. Phil would say, hey, that was mine. I, I directed, I produced that. So I, I, I took those off, Tooch. So nope. <laughs> By the way, Tooch thought that was you, but it's not. Play that with, one again. Tooch. With a nope? Yep. So you're supposed to say nope. 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 Oh, there it is. <laughs> Who is that? It's a cartoon character. I found it on the internet. I thought maybe it's from that horror movie called Nope. I haven't seen that. Is any good? I didn't watch it either. It's you don't like horror movies. No, I do love horror movies. I didn't see that one though. Oh, okay. I'm going to watch uh, Halloween's uh, part 99 this Sunday, actually. Halloween Ends is the title. And I think that's a fucking great concept. I I, I believe that it will be so cathartic to see Jamie Lee Curtis take a knife and stab this fucker in the face 50 times. I, I want but John Carpenter's already said if it makes money, they'll probably do another one. It's that, like, come on, how much money do you need, John Carpenter? You got to be 82. Maybe what they should do, you know, just to satisfy me, is have the 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 monster, whatever his name is. Does he have a name? They call him know. The Shape. The Shape? That's what Michael Myers is referred to in all the scripts and everything. Before they named him, they call him The Shape. Oh, okay. And well, he was wearing a uh, Captain Kirk mask in part one. They just painted it. Mm. That's a good trivia for you. That I knew. Uh, But what they should do is have a scene where Michael Myers or Shape, whatever the fuck his name is, uh, fucks Jamie Lee Curtis and then impregnates her. And then that way they can have a sequel. But I want Michael Myers dead. Dead. They they already kind of did that, though. It like... 
First off, Jamie Lee's died as many times as he has. <laughs> Jay, in Halloween, see, originally it was going to be an anthology series. Mm -hmm. So they did one and two. It's the same night, though. Then Halloween three comes out. It's called The Season of the Witch, where like the kids wear the masks and like bugs and shit come out of their masks. Like it was supposed to be an anthology series, but part three was so terrible at the box office, they said, fuck it. We're not going to do anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, 10 year anniversary of part one. So they do Halloween four and say that Michael survived the fire and get this Jamie Lee's daughter uh, in the script played by young Daniel Harris's name is Jamie. And they said that uh, Lori Strode played by Jamie Lee Curtis was dead. That's why she had died in a car crash. So that's one, it's one fatality. So they do four and five with Daniel Harris's Jamie part six comes around Daniel Harris refuses to do it because they said that Michael impregnated her. That's the one with Paul Rudd. So Michael supposedly had a baby with young Jamie in part six. And, uh, <laughs> but Halloween H2O part seven, Jamie Lee's back. They ignore the fact that she was killed in part four. She survived seven. Uh, follow me now. Halloween eight, whatever it was called with Buster Rhymes, she dies at the first scene of the movie at the top of the building. So that's her second death. So they ignore all of this shit to bring back this other trilogy that may or may not be the end, but I'm still going to watch because I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's funny that we're talking about John Carpenter in this movie, because last night um, before I went to bed, I was doing a little channel surfing and on Turner. Did Classic you watch the fog? Yes. I watched the fog last night too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy shit. First of all, it's got some incredibly sexy women. Adrian oh, yeah. Barbo. Oh, that was my. his wife at the time. Yes. Uh, if you don't know Adrian Barbo, uh, Google her. And, and there's actually nude photographs on her on, on Google. She was Does, just stunning back. Any then. pussy photos? I feel like she'd have a lot of fur down there. <laughs> yes, you're right. Oh man. <laughs> and then Jamie Lee Curtis, who of course is outstanding looking those two women alone in this movie. And then Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, Janet Lee, who was the woman in psycho, psycho. the Hitchcock movie, who at that time in that movie, Tell me if I'm wrong, Dan. She looked pretty fucking hot for a fucking 65-year-old uh, woman. My yeah, God. I wanted to say, too, I, met, I just referenced Halloween 3. The guy in the fog with Jamie Lee, you know, the guy that's in the truck with her? Yeah. His name is Tom Atkins. He's the lead in that Halloween 3. The season oh, really? Of the yeah, he's the lead actor in that. Uh, but another fun fact, Jamie Lee was naked once in the Eddie Murphy film Trading Places oh. with Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Anytime you mention her name, that's the image that comes to mind. Is I think that that's the only naked scene, right? I, I think you're right. Dan uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd walks into his own bedroom, and she was changing there, and you get that fucking 2.2 seconds uh, shots of her lovely boobs, and I was, holy cow. I'll, I'll never forget it. Never I just I like Jamie Lee so much better when when she's younger, not because she's just young, but even by like a fish called Wanda, she always had that like mm -hmm. that haircut that looked like she'd want to fuck you with a strap on. <laughs> I don't yep. mean to stereotype, but she yep. always had really, really short hair that looked like she would just hate men. Have you ever had a woman put a strap no. on? No, I think I, I came asking. in at the wrong time or heard something about a dildo as soon as I <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was asked to be pegged in 2020, and I turned it down. I told really? you the story at the time. Yeah, 
Oh, that was just uh, two years ago, right? Yeah, she was six two. So, well, you want to recall that story for us? Because I, I frankly have forgotten it. All right, the sixty second summary of it: uh, she had been with women for like four years because she's six feet two, and she said guys, short guys have like just the most fragile egos. And I'm not saying that to be funny at Phil or anything. I'm just like, that's what she said. Uh, and anyway, so she had been with women, but she tells me this. She goes, now, look, I want to get dick down. She's like, I'm tired of having to play the role of the man. I'm a fucking woman. I'm a girl and I look good and I want to be fucked. And I was like, okay, I'll try. You know, <laughs> like maybe you should go somewhere else first, but. So we worked it out and we did some good, good work together. You know, like I said, two different uh, days, probably about four or five sessions, you know, she's saying she's hitting, I'm hitting the O's and she's coming. And then, so after the second visit, she goes, well, Hey, you know, I told you I've been with girls, you know, and um, I always had to wear the strap. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I'm not like some kind of bigot or something like, I don't care. She's like, but do you want me to do that to you? And I was like, wait, you mean like, like pegging? I was like, no, I'm, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. <laughs> By the way, retro, no, I am six one and a half. <laughs> okay, so don't try to. <laughs> yeah, she wore heels like the first time I met her, and she was looking at me eye to eye. Yeah, you're a tall fucking. I'm guy. six five. She was the same height as me with heels on, and she said, "I'm so happy that I can wear heels, and the other person isn't just going to melt with insecurity." <laughs> And I was like, nah, man, shit, I'm right here. I'm as tall as you are, bitch. <laughs> I mean, like, so how 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 does that relationship end with a woman like that? Uh, oh, God. So it wasn't a relationship. It was just a couple of times we were doing our business, right? This is fucking true story. God, if I say this, though, I'm bringing up my ex-wife. Um, Sorry. Uh, God, so, okay. I, don't, I won't tell this stuff with Marissa because it is personal for her. But I thought, because she, she doesn't call me, right? She doesn't call me. Uh -huh. So she had been blowing my phone up while I was fucking. And it's like three o'clock in the morning. And she goes to bed kind of early, 11 midnight, somewhere through there. So I thought, man, if she's awake and she's calling me, maybe her mom died. You know, so I, I asked, you know, Stephanie, the, the tall girl, the 6'2 girl. I was like, look, she doesn't call me. This, will it make you mad if I call her? If it will, I need you to tell me. You fucking tell me and I won't make this call right now. She tells me it's okay. I make the call, and in under 10 minutes, she's gone. I never saw her again. I don't know if the two things are connected, if I'm just dots that aren't there, but I think she got pissed because I called my ex-wife. But as it turned out, she had a legitimate reason to talk to me, but thankfully her mom hadn't died. Mm. So I don't want to just say that on air out of respect for her, what it was. Sure. I can tell you off air. It's funny. It's 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 kind of funny. It's not funny toward her, but it's just, it's ironic. Well, you had a good guy and you know, but anyway, I digress off that point. If Tooch is running to come in, I'm about to piss my fucking pants, man. Can I go pee? <laughs> you go pee. Bring in the state of affairs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Tooch, if you are ready to join us, you know what button to press. If you are not ready to join us, uh, let me know because, and then I will fucking tell a story.
is Johnny Santucci and his segment, Beers State of Affairs. Tooch, how are you, my friend? Doing good, Barflies. Welcome. It is Bears State of Affairs, week four, a giant letdown. Week five, a tale of two halves. Yes, Barflies, the Bears lost their second straight game on Sunday, falling to the Vikings in Minneapolis 22-29 to and moving to 0-2 in the division. But Bears fans can take solace the news that the Packers and Lions also lost. Small consolation. Hey, at least we get to remind Don Burr about a 29-0 spanking the Lions received at the hands of the Patriots and Bailey Zappi. I love that name. <laughs> but it really was a tale of two halves. The first half of the game, Bears fans would just as soon forget. It looked as if the Vikings were going to place a Tressman-sized ass-whooping on the Bears. Hey, it looked like Alan Williams had never seen film of Justin Jefferson, who had 138 yards receiving in the first half and looked like Terrell Owens out there. Instead, the Bears went into the locker room down 21-10. That must have been some halftime speech that Eberflus gave because a completely different Bears team came out of the locker room at halftime and held Jefferson to two catches for 16 yards. <laughs> the Bears even had a 22-21 lead in the fourth quarter. I thought I might get laid that night. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> After a Cairo Santos 51-yard field goal, he was back. But it was not to be, and as the barkeeper and Tooch know all too well, the Bears managed to pull defeat from the jaws of victory. But where were the Bears' star players when clutch plays were needed to be made? What about the mighty Quinn? We ain't seen nothing because he's been invisible. He's barely registered a blip on the stat sheet all season. I'm wondering when Dan Aguirre will compare him to Khalil Mack. That's not all bad, though. Roquan Smith leads the NFL in tackles. But is it because he's great, or is it because opponents are running so many plays against the Bears' defense? <laughs> I don't know. And Justin Fields really showed what he might become by making some incredible runs and incredible throws. To all the Justin Fields haters, like it or not, Justin Fields is improving. A 97.2 quarterback rating against the Giants and a 118.3 quarterback rating against the Vikings. Hopefully all of the dumber Bears fans among us will begin to realize that becoming a great quarterback doesn't happen overnight. And Justin Fields is taking yoga classes and working on his breathing. Hey, it's better than going to Deshaun Watson's favorite massage parlor to relax. <laughs> yes, the Bears' offensive line is still a problem. But it wouldn't be the Bears unless another problem cropped up, right, Barkeeper? This time, it was the wide receivers who ended up spoiling the day, in spite of one of the best catches I've ever seen a Bears player make. Yeah, the Bears were sabotaged by costly drops and costlier penalties. Bears fans turned into conspiracy theorists on Sunday in the fourth quarter, and fad podcasts like Bears Country Podcasts suggested that Bear, current Bears wide receiver and former Viking just handed the ball to his former teammates because he was still working for the enemy. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Shorty. <laughs> it's likely that Amir Smith-Marset simply pulled a reverse Marion Barber. Hey, listen, Bears fans, this season, like it or not, you're going to have to look on the bright side a lot. And sometimes a loss really can feel like a victory, like this past Sunday. And we've got a very beatable Commanders and a banged-up Carson Wentz on deck for Thursday night football. It's a chance to get back to 500 and spell Montgomery's name correctly on his jersey. And would you believe it? 
The Bears are one-point favorites in this game, and that is Bears State of Affairs. Yeah, baby. I love it. Well done, brother. These are getting better and better every week. What you think, Dan? I liked it. I was going to say, since he brought up Wentz, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I watched the final play of that game. I was still sitting there like, man, we lost. How do we lose this game? Like, no, no, my disc is finalizing. And so on the Sunday ticket channel, they cut to the end of that game. And the Redskins are dry, or I'm sorry, the uh, fuck, whatever they're called now. The Washington's driving the commanders. And uh, it's like third and goal. And Wentz is picked off with a stupid throw. And then I, I read, I didn't watch his press conference, that Ron Rivera and the presser just said, yeah, it's Wentz's fault. <laughs> And then he got criticized by Alex Smith, who was like, how could Ron Rivera come out and say that that's his quarterback's fault? Like, he's got to be the coach and be better than that. So, yeah, they've got he, a little bit of controversy over there. He knows he's going to lose his job, and he knows he's going to lose his job because Carson Wentz is is making things worse for him. I, I think that's the explanation. What do you th guys think? What do you think, Tooch? Man, I, the, 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 the commanders are, are, are a mess, man. They're, I'm surprised. Ron, I mean, Matt Rule was fired. I'm surprised Ron Rivera hasn't been fired. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, they're it's a mess over there. I, it'll I, happen. This is a very, yeah, it'll happen. It's a very winnable game, though. Oh my gosh! Wait a minute. We got comments on your shirt, uh, Tuccini. You're not supposed to wear your floral tile. Floor tiles. Yeah, you know. I, <laughs> and then I wrote, uh, Tooch wore that shirt in one of his movies, E.T. The Extra. <laughs> uh, I, Remember. I, I, that's a Cheech and Chong line. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it was on Still Smoking, and they were coming up with IT ideas because ET was big in reality in '82. So this movie's from '83, and uh, Cheech says to Chong, ET, Eddie Torres, the extra testicle. <laughs> I, I meant to throw on a t shirt. I just didn't have time. I got no, two you toddlers. Look good. Don't let Nomad <laughs> fuck with you like that. Uh, Nomad had the greatest line like toward when Jordan was being shit at me one night. Uh, Nomad said something to the effect of Jordan, go take off your church clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I love He's a funny I'm motherfucker, Nomad. Shirt is breaking algorithms. <laughs> I like this shirt. This is uh. I like uh, that shirt too. I wish is, I you have matching draws with it. <laughs> no, it, it's from a company called Untucked, which is cool because I don't have. To oh, I've in. heard of that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's um, you, clearly you don't tuck the shirt in, and, right? And it it's like the perfect good. cut. And, and right. It's not too long. It's untucked. not too yep. short. You know, sometimes you buy a shirt that you're not yep. supposed to tuck in, and all of a sudden you go like that, and you fucking hairy belly button. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's cool, like, you know, you, you tuck a shirt in, it gets balloony around there. Right. So, and then you got to like, go in the bathroom, tuck it in again, come back out. <laughs> I like it. It's a good yeah. design, too. Uh, so, uh, Tooch, uh, <laughs> tell me what your overall thoughts. Now, I know I, I heard every word of your uh, Bear State of Affairs, but were you – at least hopeful, like I am, and I think it's safe to say Dan is. Uh, by the way, Michael Diaz says you probably overprayed for that because I'm uh, not if you go to the Mall of America in uh, Minneapolis, you can get no tax, and uh, you can you can get them uh, cheaper up there. There you go, there you go, Michael Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, are you hopeful now that Justin Fields is going to be as promised a franchise type quarterback? Based on the small sample size you saw against the Vikings, 
Well, I'm, a, yeah, I'm very hopeful. I mean, you saw some great plays, man. Some nice throws, some great runs. I mean, look what he can do. I mean, he took off like a jet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was nobody could catch him. And then, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it's, we just have to be patient. I just, I, I've said for a long time, I can't understand Bears fans say, oh, he sucks. Like you get like Amy and Bethany McDonald in the chat room. He's a bust. You haven't seen anything yet, dude. You yeah. know? It's like, sure. come on. You know, we got nothing around the offensive line is, I mean, the tackles are okay, but man, the middle of the offense is just garbage. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 I'm almost to the point where I, I think Lucas Patrick really isn't as good as advertised. Well, you Tevin know? Jenkins but has played pretty Tevin well. Tevin Jenkins though. has been great, yeah. Tevin Jenkins, Borum is okay. And, and the, uh, the, uh, the left tackle, uh, Braxton Jones, has been pretty good too. Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, th- that's the thing. I mentioned this during the Gabriel show. Remember when these guys were hired? What did Iberflu said? say he was asked uh he he volunteered i think that ryan pose asked him are you okay with starting young players and eberflu says absolutely we will start the young players we're not afraid to play young players and that's what this is all about they got so many young bloods playing football on both sides of the line they're trying to figure out if these guys are, are going to be guys who you can trust uh down the line and oh and or these are guys that they are hoping will progress to the point to Dan's uh, please that these guys are going to help us make the playoffs even this year. And don't, don't laugh out there. People who are like, because the record says we're still in contention. And so things can happen. And this fucking division is not that great. What do you think? The Detroit Lions are going to win the division, the Minnesota Vikings, the green Bay Packers. Why not the bears? Let me reference this too. 2005, if you recall, they had a 10-0 lead against the Browns in the fourth quarter. They lose it to Trent Dilfer, of all people. Mike <laughs> Brown says after the game, we fucking suck. Mm-hmm. They were 1-3. They were 1-3 at that point. They finished the year 11-5. and mm-hmm. And it's not like they had any expectations. They were in Lovey's second year. They they didn't do shit the year before when Rex got hurt and they had no quarterbacks and they're five and eleven and 04. So they had no, they were predicted to finish last. You still had Brett Favre, you, you know Dante Culpepper hadn't been hurt yet, and you know so they were supposed to be better than us and we're one and three and we win eleven games. Mm-hmm. So it can happen and just hopefully we'll be three and three here pretty soon in a couple of hours we hope and you know two days. So. It, it ha- it's happened before, is what I'm saying, with a team that had no expectations. And, and look, we had Kyle Orton, who couldn't complete a pass over four yards that season. And they still won 11 games, basically, on Thomas Jones. But I'm saying, you've got a much better quarterback now. We can do this, man. It's not implausible. Plus, you have an extra playoff team. Back mm-hmm. then, six teams made it. Now, seven make it. So it's it's not something that's like, oh, man, it's like winning the Powerball. Like, it's not that big of a pipe dream if you just get some wins under your belt. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I'm starting to believe. <laughs> Is Swanky, Swanky just watching uh, Bear State of Affairs now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're late a little bit. Where's, uh, where's Clark? Uh, what's the other guy? Is it Paul Clark? <laughs> Paul Clark. Where's, where's Paul Clark just started the show all the way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Come on, Paul. Catch up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, I'm with you, Dan. I mean, um, yeah. I still believe it's it's kind of far-fetched, but at the same time, I'm starting to see some clues here that maybe we can uh, 
wait a minute, wait a minute. Swanky has breaking news. Swanky, the other day, uh, during, I think it was Buffon 55, or, yeah, it was during Buffon 55, which is the most imperfect show to talk about your sex life in the chat room. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know. But he, he shared that he was <laughs> um, uh, very close to having sex with a MILF. And, with a man? Uh, no, a milk. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. So Buffon's really coming out the closet now. <laughs> no, no Swanky in the chat room said, man, although I was so close to having sex with this milk. And so I responded back to him saying, dude, I can't believe you closed the deal. Those are some of the easiest deals to close when you're your age. I need to coach you up. So Swanky says, I'm moving to Chicago soon. So we got to go to a titty bar. You show me. <laughs> so my wife has said, what? You, you said what? He said what? <laughs> anyway, Swanky. How did John I, react? Uh, John ignored it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and for the record, again, if we have to coexist that weekend, I will be fm radio dan if i have to be because john doesn't like cussing around all right so what, what dan is referring to is that for that dolphins game uh dan is going to be here spending the night at my home uh, along with Ginny, and a uh, john buffone is going to be uh uh staying at an rb b and b what is it called b b and b is that what it's called b airbnb airbnb yeah, so it's going to be interesting because John Buffon and Dan Aguirre are kind of polar opposites, uh, and so it's going to be interesting. I like John's intensity on air. I think John is a fucking madman when the mic is on, and I mean that in a positive, yeah. no bullshit manner. Like I, I when the first time I heard Buffon, I was like, he and I should be friends. Yeah. Like his fucking intent. I can go on rants like that for fifty minutes too. Like, I mean, I know my uncle didn't play for the Bears, but still. Uh, I think, I don't know. It's not, I don't know if I'm important enough to even to be uh, hated by Buffon, but I just, I kind of felt like anytime we've interacted, it's like, uh, it's more apathy. Like, yeah, I don't want to deal with this guy. That's all. No, no. And I think what, what it is, is uh, uh, John has a, a job that they would frown on him if he was involved in any kind of enterprise where, there's cussing on his show and, and stuff like that. So we totally respect that. I'll so, keep it clean because I hope we all interact that weekend on oh, air. Why wouldn't we? Well, and I think that uh, when we're not on the air, you know, John is is probably willing to talk about, you know, fucking. Oh, I thought John off air was like that, too. It was just like Mitt Romney or something, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I'm, a, you know, I've got two wives and I don't cuss and I've got magic underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're gonna find out that weekend. That's for sure. Because <laughs> we're gonna when, when you come down here to all those man cave, uh, there is there is uh, censorship is out the window, man. <laughs> so well, we we gotta keep it clean for him, though. Remember? Yeah, when we're on the air, yes. But, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I was gonna say once more. I want to stress, not that he'll ever listen to our show, but if he did, mm -hmm. I think he's fucking great on air. Oh, he's fantastic. He just yeah. tunes in for Bear State of Affairs, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine, man. I understand. If... No, no, I... I'm his Bear State of Affairs. <laughs> no, here, here goes what my opinion of him from what I can gather. For real. I am a guy that's on FM radio at midnight, right? Mm -hmm. And I've done seven to midnight before, too. I'm not the kind of guy they put on during banker's hours. 
Yeah. I just, I don't appeal to that sect of people. I, I, I'm a niche guy sect? and he's the kind of guy that's listening to FM, you know, nine to five. Mm-hmm. And that's not an insult. That's just, I'm, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Like a couple of weeks ago when someone ch- uh, chatted, remember in the chat group and was like, fuck Dan, I hate Dan. I hate the show. I hate all of you or whatever. Right. I'm yes. like, okay, I get it, man. I, I understand that wasn't false humility. I understand I'm not everyone's favorite. I'm not Jordan's favorite guy. You know, it, it, it's I'm fine. With, <laughs> I'm with you, man. I love running a network where we have diverse programs, where we have G-rated programs and we have – Programs like this, where we talk about uh, Tucci's uh, porn career. <laughs> and we can say pussy. <laughs> we can say pussy and talk about how much we love it. <laughs> Blank Willow. Remember that from the Stern movie? Pussy Willow. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing on my mind, Gene, was pussy. Oh, <laughs> I love that with Robin. Great, great scene. Yeah. <laughs> great scene. All right. Uh, are we done? Uh, I, got, I got a couple things I, I pulled off of Twitter. If you oh, guys all right. Pull it. This is one. Uh, this is uh, oh, but, uh, what, uh, Justin Fields' biggest fan on on Twitter, Brian oh, Baldy. Yeah. Baldy was so good as an announcer. I don't know why like he didn't keep his gig. I remember I was at a game in 2002 and the announcers that Sunday were Pat Summerall and Brian Baldinger. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, Pat that, Summerall, fucking legend. <clears throat> that is a great uh tweet that Tooch found. Let, let's read that out loud for the yeah. podcast people. Go ahead, Tooch. Bears Justin Fields <laughs> is developing. He is getting better. Better Offensive line, better coaching, better play design. Have faith, Chicago. Took the Vikings to the brink. You will be winning these kinds of games before the frost hits the pumpkin. <laughs> is that is that a saying? I don't know. Well, he's just <laughs> saying before uh, Halloween, we're going to okay. turn it around. All I'll right. take it. We'll take yeah. it. Yeah, I'd yep. love to see that. And then yeah. uh, uh, the polar opposite, the resident <laughs> Bears hater on Twitter, R- Ross Tucker. Isn't that Rex Tucker's brother? Yeah. Oh, oh how great. I forgot about that. Where is Rex? He hates the Bears. Bears. <laughs> I think he he's tells... the same guy that says we won't win more than six and a half games. He's like, take the <laughs> under. He says, get drafted by coach GM on hot seat. Change coaches and scheme after rookie year. Bad offensive line, lack of weapons. Bears are following the how to ruin a young quarterback script perfectly so far. How about was... that for diametrically opposed? Uh, was yeah. that tweet after Sunday's game? That was uh, before Sunday's game. Oh, okay. Well, still fuck doesn't you, matter, Rick, or Ross Tucker. Yeah, still doesn't matter. Before or after, that's a bad fucking tweet. I just where's uh, Rex <laughs> Tucker to kick his brother's ass? Is what we need. <laughs> I, you know, I this this bear the Bears game is like I think I'm still numb from the Bears game because it took me through like a range of emotions. You know, like the first half was like it was like man this is like getting beat by the packers 56 to 10 or whatever whatever that whipping they put on Tressman of the end of the Tressman era <laughs> it was like or Terrell Owens you know uh, on Jerry Rice day yeah know? in 2000 <laughs> but uh we 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 uh we made it a, a point to stop Jerry Rice who was on the verge of retiring and right. forgot completely about Terrell Owens <laughs> and the worst game. part that day that made it such a valid comparison on your point was that Cade McNown never made it past the 50 yeah, yard line. Never made it past mid-season. Not once did he get in 49er territory that day. <laughs> and then uh, you know, it was like uh the Bears, the Bears have trouble in the first half. I think uh 
the second quarter, uh, they've allowed 56 points. And then and the re- all the other quarters, they've only allowed 50 points. And, and they, have, they, uh, they haven't allowed a, a, a touchdown in the second half until this Vikings game. You know, but and then and then right you know, when like, we needed to stop, yeah, right when we needed to stop, yeah, it just took you to to uh, uh, the brink of so you know e- either either edge, almost winning, almost you know almost getting killed, blown out. You know, it was like such a gigantic uh, range of emotions that I went through in the game. I'm still like numb, you know. And then uh, the uh, the whole thing with uh, uh, we get the lead, you know, and and you're just like, oh, what what the hell, man? You know the the the, the speech at halftime must have, you know, must have, what kind of speech was it? You know, are these the same guys or the new, new players in these uniforms? You know, I don't know. And then, you know, of course we end up losing. <laughs> of course you think, God damn it. You know, I, we, I thought we had this one upset up there. We could be one-on-one in the division, all sorts of emotions. And then, you know, you're kind of like stuck with, well, after all, it's what it's like to be a Bears fan, although. <laughs> You know what? It, it, I I don't think we should look at it. You know, so like it the loss. We shouldn't focus on. Yeah, the of course. Loss, I, I said it's it's like even in a loss, it's 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 kind of like a victory. You yes, know? And, but I understand but at the that. time. Yeah, you know? we all want it. We all want to win. We know that yeah. that's paramount why we play these games. But you know, I felt so fucking good after the at the end of that game. I was fucking happy. This where is Herman Edwards to yell at you too? But I felt the same way I did in 1984 when the Bears lost uh, to the 49ers 49ers in -hmm. the playoff game, and there was this fucking promise that you could see in between plays. This team is getting better, this team is close, and when Mike Ditka, who would famously just fucking blow a fuse after a loss, when he calmly and 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 in an inspiring way talked about what was to come, that's how I felt. It's the same way I felt after this game. Mike Ditka wasn't saying anything, but Justin Fields was. I want to I want to reference that real quick in case you don't remember this. So they don't score a point in that championship game, right? Steve Fuller's playing. Ditka said after the game, I honestly felt like our defense was good enough to, to win it for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, McMahon's hurt. So they play him in week six. You know the famous story where Ditka gets the DUI after the game because he's so mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. But McMahon played that game. And first drive, no points against San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. First drive with Jim in, they go 80 yards and score a touchdown. That was a fucking statement. Mm-hmm. Yep. Man. Throws a deep pass to Willie Galt down the field. Immediately, they're in territory, and Walter scores. It's seven to nothing. Fuck you guys. And they hit Montana all day. It was great. It was fucking fantastic. So fucking sweet. And I, I just, I got that same vibe from this Sunday's game, uh, even though it was a loss. Uh, so, in any case, I wanted to address what Retro said here. Uh, Aldo is a vag- vaginivore. <laughs> 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 the reason well, I, I immediately thought of it, I, I shared this story with that. I don't know if you remember, but when I, back in uh, late 1970s, I was working downtown at an audiovisual place, and uh, my boss says, Hey, I got a, a ticket to the Consumer Electronics Show. It's across the street. Why don't you go? And I had read about it and so forth. And so I knew that the first thing that I was going to do was go to the fucking porn section because it was like 50,000 square feet of 
porn stars and porn VHS tapes and and just, you know, a bunch of fucking horny guys looking around to take pictures with porn stars. And so as I'm walking down the aisle, uh, John Holmes, who at the time, and in in, you know who John Holmes was, right, uh, Dan? Of course. he Tucci, you know him too? Yeah. John <laughs> Holmes is a great movie that uh, yeah. play, portrayed by Val Kilmer, by the way, Wonderland. That's right. That's right. I have not seen that movie, by the way. I, I oh, man. Uh, he was, they tried to charge him with murder, like, uh, like, the, you know, like four counts. John Holmes, that's legit. I mean, and if you get the Blu-ray or DVD, they've got all the L.A. PD's crime scene footage as bonus on it like oh, wow. a couple of hours of them at the crime scene wow, i got i need to check that out because yeah and john holmes like uh allegedly knew he had aids and was still fucking women and was giving them fucking aids because he was bitter they said he was one of the first guys that wanted aids testing implemented but mm-hmm. he himself had it and didn't know it wow. so when he found out he just went to europe and just was fucking everybody and wow. everyone in the states knew it but europe didn't know it Wow, I did not know that. So I need to watch that movie. But growing up, you know, and I'm discovering porn, fucking just about every fucking other movie, there was John Holmes with this fucking cock the size of a redwood tree. He was famous because of that cock. So I'm at the Consumer Electronics Show, and I'm walking down the aisle, and there about 40 feet away from me is John Holmes talking to a female porn star and i'm like holy shit this is unfucking believable it's like fucking meeting michael jordan walter payton you name it and so as i'm walking up to them they separate and i hear him say to her i suck pussy like a lesbian (laughs) (laughs) so in retro i do too I've heard that about you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Retro's called me a vagina bore, and that immediately sparked off that thought. Johnny Wad, that's right. He was also known as Johnny Wad. Uh, an ugly motherfucker, by the way, if I do say so myself. But when you have a cock that's the size of a redwood tree, I don't think anybody cares what you look like. <laughs> right, yeah. too? Uh, the, uh, the story, <laughs> the story uh, inspired uh, the uh, Dirk Diggler character. In, uh, oh, that's right. Uh, the, yeah, yeah but that's fantasy, friends. though. I love Boogie Nights. Don't get me Boogie wrong, Nights. but Wonderland's. You should watch Wonderland for real. Great I acting, will. too. I will. Uh, yeah, it's a tremendous film. I give it four fucking stars, man. Did you guys ever see Hollywoodland? The story of that? Yeah, yeah. See, that one was a little slow, but I liked yeah. it. Yeah, it's so a Ben movie. Affleck is uh, George Reeves. Yes, uh, or George but, Reeve was it George Reeves? Yeah, George George Reeves. Uh, well, anyway, he was yeah because Christopher Reeve and George Reeves. Yeah, he had, there yes. There you go. So yeah, a good movie, but you're right, it is slow, especially in the middle. But it is a good who done it. Who fucking killed the Superman TV character? Uh, that was uh, Adrian. It made Brody. it feel like it was the 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 older woman that he shunned. Mm-hmm. The film kind of makes it feel like she was responsible for it. Right. Right, PJ, how you been, brother? I haven't seen yeah. you in a while. We gotta. Get oh, I wanted to back. say something on air to you, Aldo. Sure. Um, I mentioned this to you on Sunday. Mm-hmm. When uh, what's his name? The kid was calling the game. He does the Bears preseason games. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Adam Amin, who does the Bulls uh, here in town. Oh my God! The worst. Like, how how the worst. can you say that on air? So, <laughs> I, it's like someone just fed him something wrong, and he was like so chesty to say it. He was like. He was comparing somebody from the Vikings, and he's like, oh, that hasn't been done since Amp Lee in 1995. And he goes, and Amp Lee uh, was famous for catching Joe Montana's final touchdown. I was like, my head immediately was going to explode. Like, 
this dude works for fucking Fox. How can you say something so dumb? Ampli played in San Francisco with Joe Montana very briefly. Montana was hurt in the 90 NFC Championship game. Doesn't get on the field till week 17 of 92. Lights it up, of course. So I assume he threw a touchdown to Ampli that night, and I didn't even remember it. And then goes on to KC and has two years, including going to the AFC Championship. So if his story was to be true, then Joe threw zero touchdowns in two years with the Chiefs. Didn't happen that way. But mm -hmm. a guy can be employed by Fox and say something so categorically false, and nobody cares. Like, dude, were you even alive in 95? How could you say something that stupid? Yeah, man. That is like I want to yell at him. I want him on the podcast. I want to be like, be like, dude, you know, I'm not jealous of your gig at all, but you don't deserve your fucking gig if you say something that bad. And if you blame it on like somebody telling you that, then fucking cross-reference it. Like football reference is right there. Yeah, but you can't do that on a live show. You've done so many live broadcasts, uh, but I, I don't know if some. I'm not would... going with the stat if I don't think there's any credibility to it. You're right. He should not. That that is. He, he, can't, he can't fact check it. But you're right. If there is, there's commercial uh, breaks. Yeah. So sometimes you rely on your, uh, you know, your producer who's feeding this you this information. You rely on them and trust them, and you you spit that out. But you're right; he, he probably shouldn't have said it. God, that was so wrong. And of course, they they don't address it or anything. Nobody cares. Whatever, just so wrong. Anyone that's an NFL like fan historian should should know that and no like nobody else had any outrage. It's just me. <laughs> well, as Michael Henneman says, your recall is. Yeah. Fucking amazing. I added the fucking part in there because Michael never swears. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, um, Mr. Henderman. But yeah, it's just that, you know, I was going, I, when he first said, it, I was like, wait, Ampli never played in fucking Kansas City. Mm -hmm. so he's in San Francisco and Minnesota. And that's all I remembered. I don't know if he had another stop in there, but uh, I was like, there's no way Joe's last pass was to Ampli. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> I can remember the game in 94 when between he and Elway on Monday night that was so great where John led the Broncos back for a touchdown with like a minute to go. And, and then Joe with like 10 seconds to go throws a touchdown to either Willie Davis or J.J. Burden in the corner and, and out duels Elway on a Monday night at Mile High Stadium. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I guess that never happened because that were you know his last touchdown was Dan Plea, but I digress. Yeah. Um, by the way, congratulations to PJ who says he's got some grandchildren who are there it is, uh, who are in the middle of an undefeated yeah. football season in Illinois. So he's been busy with them, <laughs> hoping for a state title. Yeah, keep us abreast of that, PJ, because uh yeah. if that indeed, if they get to play in the title game, we'd love uh to talk to you and uh, your grandsons, that would be a real cool thing for us and I'm sure for you because to be interviewed by Dan Aguirre is one of uh, life's greatest joys. Wait, my, my son played like youth football like that. And what they had, uh, he actually had two undefeated seasons. There was a couple coaches in Hanover Park that were just <laughs> like legendary. And like the second time they went undefeated, it wasn't fun, man. It was like beating everyone like 38 to three. It was like, I don't know. I was like, can I, can I have some excitement? It was, it wasn't any I know, fun. You want a little drama, right? Yeah. It was never close. By the way, we have a question so for good. Dan. Uh, it is from Retro. Dan, uh, excuse me, Retro wants to know if you are a tits. Definitely. It's got to be a hairy pussy right is that no probably? no no like no no <laughs> first off with the vagina if we're gonna break this down 
<laughs> the vaginal fur is something aesthetically pleasing to me because it reminds me of like when I'm getting pussy in like 95, you know, the girls are still furry then. So it's like vintage. It's like a throwback Jersey, you know, and I see Harry pussy. No. I'm like, I'm excited, you know, but for all though me, it's the seventies and eighties. Well, <laughs> I didn't get my first ass until June 22nd of 1995. So what else happened on that day, Dan? The year before the Rockets won the championship against the Knicks on June 22nd, 94. 95, I lose my virginity. But anyway, the vagina fur thing, it's it's great. But if they are, if they do shave, it does make it a little bit easier to eat it. Let's just keep it real. I mean, it's a lot easier. So I, I if they're bald, I mean, it looks hot to me to have it. Uh, but I'm not going to be like, I'm not going down on you because you're bald. That's crazy talk. So, no, uh, I do like it better, Harry. But, you know, bald's cool, too. Uh, yeah. but do I love breast? Of course I do. do I like, yes, yes. Do I like, I like legs. I like, I like girl feet, too. But, like, men feet disgust me. But <laughs> I, I even like women's, like, collarbones. Like, she's got a hot clavicle, you know. Like, I, like I pretty much like everything on women, you know. It's kind of hard for me to think of something I don't like. Let me ask you something. Except the really, really short haircuts. What about the, the fucking the dyke spike or whatever? Like I don't mean to demean anybody that's 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 <laughs> lesbian, but I just hate that haircut. You know the, you know the Demi Moore, GI Jane, you know yeah the lady from Murder. She wrote. I, I stole that from Pat Summerall. He always did that big pause. Uh, she died today. Our Angela Lansbury. She always had that oh, short haircut. No, I didn't know oh, that. she died today. Wow, Manchurian Candidate, yeah. uh, Murder, Twilight Zone too. She did some Twilight Zone yeah. episodes. Yeah, good actress. By the way, uh, Dan, let's not jump off this uh, vaginal fur talk uh, that quickly because I got a couple of questions for you. Sure. So. Have you ever had an embarrassing incident where you're talking to someone and you've got some pussy hair in your in between your teeth or anything like that? <laughs> I don't think so. Because it's happened to me. <laughs> you've had pussy hair stuck in your teeth? Yeah. Oh my yep. god. Yep. Uh it's happened more than once, but like one story I can recall where I was having oral sex with with somebody and we were at somebody's apartment and I was in one room. And then when we were done, I came out and I'm talking to people, you know, start to socialize and stuff. As I'm talking, I realized I got fucking hair in my teeth and there's only one place it could be coming from. So um, I'm just surprised given your penchant, given your affinity for uh, uh, hirsute women. And yeah, I don't understand why it's so cool for some people to pretend that they don't, that they, oh, I don't eat pussy. Like, why would you? I mean, don't you like women? I mean, I don't understand why it's like cool, like to say you don't do it. I'm like, dude, I like women. So, yeah, of course I like to do that. Was one of the first things when I when I was finally with a naked woman. You know, I'd watch my share of porn up to that point. You know, and I'm like, dude, if, if she takes off her fucking drawers, I'm gonna go down as soon as she does. And she <laughs> did, and I did. And what the first that? time I felt her legs get tight wrap around my head and like kind of shake and quiver and i was like wow i think she just came this is fucking awesome i was like i'm good at this how could you not like it i mean it's fucking great the only thing that i you were talking about teeth hair and teeth i i hate it if i still got like a lot of vagina on my hands and shit because you know you got to say hi to the g-spot and yeah. talk and do little things you know with your hands yeah, that's the right uh, way to do it 
but after I'm done, you know, I still got it on my hands. Like, you know, I smell like, you know, like I've been inside a vagina and that's like when the cats want to be pet. I'm like, no, you gotta, you, I can't pet you right now. You know, I've got pussy on my hand. No pun intended. You know, I'm just saying like, I don't want to pet the cats or even like, if I'm still laying there, they might try to jump on me and like be around my dick too. I'm like, Oh God, no, it's like molesting them. I so hate that. About- like if- what right. about ass? I want. I'm interested to know if you have the same affinity. Like, if if you meet a woman and she's got some hair in that area, uh, are you as, as equally excited? No, I don't. Like, I'm not a big sodomy guy anyway. I've done it, you know, but it's not. If you told me I never fucked another woman in the ass the rest of my life, I'd be like, so. I don't. I don't really care, you know. Well, you've disappointed many of your fans. I've you disappointed that. disappointed Dan Campbell, evidently. Yeah, apparently. What do you think about what Renewable is saying? He says the G spot is a myth. No, no, because I know where it is. Yeah. If you're if you're sticking your hand in the vagina, you know the gesture that you make, like that, that like if your mom was talking to you, like the come here, like they're mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're doing that and you're going upward. I mean, I've been with too many women that responded favorably at that exact spot. I don't think it's a myth. I mean, yeah. Well, we got bad news for renewable. <laughs> You've been missing out on some good time. <laughs> I'm not leaving. even going to do it because I heard it's a myth. <laughs> He's been leaving some women like unhappy, I think. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I noticed that Toots just like, I'm not going to say a word because my kids might be hearing me. He's been in films. Tooch knows. Tooch knows. <laughs> Tooch actually discovered the G spot, you know, and fuck Columbus. It should be uh, Johnny Santucci Day for the discovery of the G spot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got 10 minutes before uh, Dan is going to go save some lives. What do you guys want to uh, approach here? What do you guys want to talk about? It is on you, sir. The uh, uh, the the Panthers fired their coach, uh, Matt Rule, I think yesterday. Yeah, what do you think about uh, that? Spurred uh, trade talks that you know they'd be uh, uh, sell it fire sale for players like Christian McCaffrey and I don't uh, see some that. Of their wide Why receivers rebuilding. Uh, you know, uh, McCaffrey's got a, a fairly large contract that if he worked out, it's this lengthy injury history as well. And DJ Moore, who remembered all the. The uh, uh, Bears should go and try and get DJ Moore, put him opposite uh, uh, Darnell Mooney. What do you guys think about uh, DJ Moore being a Bear? Fuck, I would love DJ Moore to be a Bear. I loved him at the Senior Bowl and following him since. I I, I don't – I Greg and I talked about this briefly. McCaffrey, I can see. You know, you want to get rid of the big fat contract. You got want to get rid of an, a, a veteran who's getting injured so often. But some of these young guys, I don't, I don't know why the Panthers would even entertain trading them, unless, you know, unless they're hiring Ryan Poles. Who's their of new coach? I, I, they've got an some interim interim guy. Yeah. So but, um, talk of McCaffrey going back to Denver, where he grew up. His dad was a Bronco. Uh, I hope they hire Matt Nagy. <laughs> I knew that was going to be funny. I knew it. 
<laughs> Why not? Hire? No, I, I would rather that they hire Dave Wanstead. I would love to see Dave Wanstead back in the NFL, give him another opportunity. Hey, they gave Lovey Smith an opportunity. Why not Wani? Because Wani's been gone since like 08, though. Yeah, but I like Wani. 09. You know who I'm surprised never got another gig is Brian Billick. I know, right? I think it's because he's such an asshole. That's the word. That's the rumors that he's very, very arrogant. He uh, has a, a big ego. And so nobody wants to deal with that. So. But he can say, look, I was 15 and one as a coordinator in Minnesota with an explosive offense. And then I went to a team that had no offense and I still won a Super Bowl. Because like, I can great, do it both ways. The great defense he inherited and he inherited Randy Moss. Just saying that if that's if you're Brian Billick, you've got a resume there. You ever notice when you beat somebody in an argument, they say, "Hey, I'm just saying." <laughs> no, I don't think that. I I don't think you beat I'm me in the argument kidding. at all. I'm just if I'm Brian Billick, like I think his the success, mm-hmm. you know, is right there. Like he can point to it tangibly and say, "Fuck you, Aldo." If if I were shitting on him, he could say that to me. I would not hire him. I just have heard so many things about his personality and how what an arrogant son of a bitch that he is. And yeah, you have some success, but at the same time, there's I I believe that there are a lot of qualified people who should be giving an opportunity to coach. And particularly now in an era where we're finally opening up the doors a little wider to allow people of color to maybe even allow a woman. You know, we're not going to see a woman head coach for another 10, 15 years, but we will see uh, we will see it eventually. So I, I hate to hire these retreads and guys. Well, that's what that you were saying about Wanstead, though. You know why? Because Wani is like my brother. <laughs> you know, Wani is family. Wani I love is, Wani, too. Yeah, you and I both love him. And it's funny because I've always appreciated Wanstead, but hearing you talk about Wanstead then has, has even galvanized me more to really appreciate him and remember how much I would always stick up for him. You know, my friends would yeah, say, hey, fuck him, fuck him. And I'm like, look how hard these guys are playing. They don't have any talent. It's not because of him. But anyway. Another guy that you would have thought that could have gotten – another coaching gig and just didn't want it was Bill Cower. Yeah. You know, I think Bill is like so fucking happy. He doesn't have that pressure anymore. And he's making so much money doing corporate speaking jobs and working at the network as an analyst. He's, he's, it's gravy time for him. Well, John Gruden was making all that money and he, he desperately wanted to come back and then had it taken away from him. Yeah, I, you know, I would not have been surprised if, if Kara would have accepted something, but per- perhaps he, he didn't get the kind of offer for a gig that he felt, yeah, I can't say no to this. You know, a ready-to-win kind of team. Gruden, to me, I, I'm, first of all, Gruden is a great fucking personality, but as an analyst, I thought, I didn't think he was that great of an analyst. He was entertaining, but he didn't know the fucking rules. He, he The game had... a passed him by some of the things he said was like wait a minute that's no no longer true and um but he's just so fucking entertaining and and, and he is a leader of men and you could see that in the hard knocks series but uh, i don't i i knew he was not going to have success in the league just knew it especially when fucking he hired mayock as his general manager his talent guy some tv guy like that I can't face palm enough although <laughs> right <laughs> mike mayock 
Fucking Tooch and I would have done a much better job than Mike Mayock. I'm sorry, Mike, but that's the truth. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Gruden and Cower and those guys, I don't know. Um, it, it's time to move on. Let's bring in some new faces. One of the great things that's happened in the league is some, the, the head coaches are younger and younger and younger. And I think it is a young man's uh, uh, occupation. Remember Dick Vermeil? Look how quick hey. he got burned out. You should know that, Dan. How well, yeah, he? well, he got burned out as a young man and then in 83 and then came back, what, 97? And by 99, he won the Super Bowl. So, so that's yeah. what, 15, 16 years later, right? Yeah, because he did good announcing on CBS and then he moved to ABC and was a solid announcer. But, yeah, came yeah. out of retirement to – to coach and and his, I think his third season won it all and yeah. fifteen yeah. years of breathing exercises. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love Dick Vermeil. I'm glad Lovey got another shot too. I, I really am rooting for the Texans the rest of the way yeah. now that we've already played them this week, this week, right? Yeah, they got their first win I think under. Yeah, so I, I want him to succeed. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, uh, Nomad says that he thinks Leslie Frazier should get another opportunity. Yeah, I don't know about Leslie so much. I, I didn't, I'm not inspired by Leslie, but I, I do think that when he was playing cornerback for the Chicago Bears, I never, I, I man, it's so sad that his knee uh, blew got out. hurt in the Super Bowl in the second half when you're up 100 points. Oh my God. That just, and it's like so he got hurt that day. You know, they never the replaced him. Yeah. He'd be in the Hall of Fame today if his career w- would have continued for another six, seven, eight years. That guy was um fucking believable. Do you think if Singletary hadn't pulled down his pants in that press conference, he would have gotten another chance? Wait a minute, he pulled down his pants? Yeah, he was ranting about something, and, and I'm pretty sure he pulled down his fucking pants. Or and then he had he was yelling. You remember he yelled at the tight end they had, that really good tight end they had that was in the league like 20 years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot and kicked him out of the game, Vernon you know, because he, yeah, he wanted winners. He wanted winners, you know. Yeah. It's just like Mike has so much knowledge and passion. It's, it's, it, But by the time he was done in San Francisco, like people were trying to say he wasn't even a good player because it failed so badly, which yeah, is – I, I, he deserved another shot, even, even on his, just a staff. You know, like a fucking linebackers coach or something. Like he just has kind of been blackballed. But I heard that his ego was like, "Yeah, I'm not. I won't accept a coordinator job. I, I, I want to be a head coach." And it was like, "Dude, you got to fucking pay your dues. You had, you know, it's not like you because you were a head coach, you you are immediately eligible to be a head coach somewhere else. A lot of head coaches are fired and they come back as coordinators and work their way back up." Lovey Smith is a perfect example, right? The thing with Singletary is that I think that there's an intensity about him that makes it a little uncomfortable for people who are doing hiring. Those press conferences were really fucking bizarre in, in how Singletary, uh, uh, you know, his behavior. And uh, you worry sometimes that, am I, you know, there was the same thing with Ditka. Late, uh, the late great Jerry Venisi, who just passed away, he was the guy that kept Ditka employed here. If you read, uh, I forgot which book it was, uh, but one of the books written about Ditka's era here was that um, the McCaskey family was like really fucking turned off by Ditka. Yeah, Michael didn't like him at all. Didn't like him at all. And it was Jerry Venisi who came in between 
uh, Ditka and McCaskey and paved the way and, and made it safe. And he advised Ditka, you can't say that, you can't do that, and so forth. And that's why they won the Super Bowl under under Mike uh, Ditka because he Jerry Vanessa saved his career. Really, he he's fucking saved his career if this book is correct and the allegations in this book. So Singletary needed somebody like that. I was just going to finish saying. I'm sorry. I mean, step by. I was just going to say the thing too though is that Michael McCaskey was especially after the Super Bowl was jealous of all the fucking like pop culture characteristics that Ditka received and all those accolades and people thought that well i did i was my moves that made this team and like was just jealous of did i mean i don't want to put words in a, a gentleman's mouth that's passed on but it seemed like michael mccaskey according to all sources was jealous of the notoriety that mike did attained he was and, and wanted him out of here as soon as he got so they they have a bad season in 92 because you know 91 they go what 10 and 6 make the playoffs Soon as he has a bad year, they get rid of him in '92. Is he's just wanted he wanted rid of Ditka so badly for years. Tooch, you remember that era? Were you upset when Ditka was fired? Because I was, and I thought, hey, it's time. Um, yeah, I, I, I think if I if I recall correctly, I was uh, tired of the shtick. You know, right. just the it, was, it became more of a headache than you know mm-hmm. it was worth. Yeah. No, I, I got to go, but my last ta- thought on that is uh, to say, and again, I was only, you know, 11, 12 years old, and, and I turned 12 in Ditka's last season, but I knew in the Metrodome when he blew up on Harbaugh, if if the, I, as a kid, I was like, this is it. He's going to get fucking canned if, if they don't come back and have a good season. Mm-hmm. I just, I felt like that was the moment where they were like, we've had enough for him. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm surprised he wasn't fired after the game, but as we know, that's not the Bears' way of running things. But I think, he, for all intents and purposes, I think that's when he got fired. Just yeah. like when John Fox, when uh, Benny Cunningham fumbled at, at going against Green Bay and fumbled out of bounds, and, and then he challenges, which gives the Packers the ball on the touchback, you knew Fox was dead. You knew that's it. Because, like, if he doesn't challenge, Green Bay's not challenging. It's the Bears' ball at the goal line. But mm-hmm. he fucking challenges when it's clearly a touchback yeah. and gives Green Bay the ball. You're like, oh, Fox isn't going to make it. He's done. Before you go, do you agree with Handsome Duke who says we don't get a Super Bowl in 85 without Mike Ditka, bottom line? Oh, I'd rather have Ditka than Buddy. I believe really? that. Oh, yeah, for sure. What did Buddy do in Philly? Didn't even win a playoff game. Didn't With but the, he didn't have either the oh come on he had his fucking Reggie why he had he had Hall of Famers all over the defense and had a, a an electric quarterback in Randall Cunningham yeah. I mean he a point. he had a fucking Randall Cunningham could have made the Hall of Fame in sure. his early his running Justin Fields kind of play and then reinvented himself throwing the ball with the Vikings in '98 mm-hmm. Randall Cunningham was a special talent ahead of his time. Yeah. So to me, Ditka is way more superior than Buddy, and he always beat Buddy. Yeah, I won't argue with you. 2-0, 2-0 against Buddy. Get the fuck out of here and go save some lives. I got to try, man. All right, you all be well. Thank Talk you. to you later. Okay, right, buddy. <laughs> that is Dan Aguirre, one of my very best friends out of all the friends I've had in my entire life, like 
all eight, nine of them, Dan is right up there, right, right at the top of the list. <laughs> Johnny said, Tucci's yeah. at the top of that list, too. Dan, uh, excuse me, Tucci, you want to play a little game again yeah. like we did two weeks ago? Sure, absolutely. I got one thing for you. It's uh, a stat that I found interesting. Is that uh, five weeks into the season, Matt Eberflus only has a minus 20 point differential. And a top 15 team in terms of points allowed. Ooh. So another bright spot right there. You know, I, I wouldn't have thought we would have been, you know, that kind of close. But I mean, like we had talked about, the team's been competitive. We've had we've been in almost every game. I think the Green Bay game was the only game we weren't in. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, for this this what you know, the uh, unspoken rebuilding year, you know, that's that's all you can ask for. There you go. Yep. Retro says, I need new friends. No, Retro, I need friends. <laughs> <laughs> I lose more and more friends every day. Yeah, I got to figure out a way to, to reverse that trend. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, we did this two weeks ago, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I may have been the only one, but it's a game that we call Panic or Don't Fucking Panic. <laughs> so I love this one, yeah. I'm going to ask Tooch a number of questions, and I'm going to ask him, is it time to... Or don't fucking panic. So you're a Green Bay Packers fan, uh, John Santucci, and you're seeing the way that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are playing. Aaron Rodgers is calling out his defensive cornerback, saying you shouldn't be saying those things in the locker room. The offense looks anemic without Devontae Adams. The offensive line is, is putrid. David Bakhtiari comes back, and he's making mental errors and so forth. Do you think that Green Bay Packers fans should panic or don't fucking panic? Well, I'll tell you, with Minnesota now 3-0 and in the division, I think a little panic probably uh, warranted. <laughs> I like Just saying, I, th- I think uh, they're what? Uh, they're 1-1? One and one? Mm-hmm. That's the right. Packers 1-1 one and one mm-hmm. in the division. I, I, I would agree with that. I, I, I have been predicting this for way too long, but finally it's going to happen. <laughs> I think the Packers uh, – dominance in the division is at an end you know i thought of course like all of us bears fans after 2018 we thought the bears were going to take over the north and it's going to be over yeah Uh, i think that now this is really the time and there is something weird aaron Rodgers has been weird for for fucking forever but there's something even weirder about him now wouldn't you say (laughs) yeah yeah, uh, the the ayahuasca was a dead giveaway, Aldo. <laughs> I mean, the, the Vikings have, have one victory against each team in this division. Just yes. let, that, let that sink in. They've beaten every team in the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I got a lot of friends uh, in Packerville. Well, actually, I, they're not friends. I, I know a lot of people in Packerville, and uh, they should all be worried. There's no doubt about it. All I right. mean, Peter Bukowski's panicking on Twitter, so oh that should be a, a dead giveaway. Right. I blocked that guy long ago. Is he still being the arrogant son of a bitch that he was? Did you, did, I should have clipped this tweet. This tweet today. Let me. Uh, did, did you see his tweet today? No, no I, I don't follow him at all anymore. So okay, hold on a second. He's just so fucking annoying and arrogant, you know. Um, oh yeah, he's worst. I and I hate to block people and stuff because I. I like to be tolerant of other people's opinions, but it's clear what he's trying to do. He's trying to get me to respond to him so that I can be one of his fucking jokes or something like that. So uh, he's he's still on the Twitter machine doing the same shit, huh? 
Yeah, he had he had a tweet today where he kind of like uh, talked about panicking, you know. Uh, oh, great. Well, a little bit. I'm trying to find it because he tweets like. Uh, you uh, you play that, and I want to show people this touchdown by David yeah. Montgomery because a lot of people. You know, Sam Mustafer is is should not be a starting center, but there are some plays where he does a really good job. Look at the blocking here. Uh, Tucci, keep looking. Look at number uh, 67. Look at him take care of that linebacker. Just push him out of the way so that Montgomery can get in for the touchdown and then watch the uh, end zone look. Uh, the, the Vikings defense left a lot of opportunities for the Bears to run up the middle, and uh, fortunately, Sam uh, Mustafer did a nice job. Did you find it, Tooch? Yeah, I've got it. Do you want me to – I got to load it up in here. I can read it. I'll just read it. Okay. It says, uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing like a quarterback who publicly feuded with his team, choked in the playoffs before mulling retirement, didn't believe he could help the team by coming to spring ball, and then spent the summer doing more podcasts than me. But no, I can't figure it out either. Whoa. <laughs> See, that's what I dislike about a guy like that. This guy was sucking Aaron Rodgers' dick for years and years and years, and now Aaron Rodgers can't get it up, and he's fucking publicly uh, chastising him. That's not yeah. right. I, I've had girlfriends do that to me. <laughs> yeah, he he, he, uh, he definitely had a had a moment today on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right, let's get to our next. Uh, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait. All right, panic or not panic? Don't panic. Don't fucking <laughs> yeah. panic. Uh, the factor says Peter Bukowski comes out like an arrogant, arrogant. Yeah, he's ah. a he's a professional troll. Mm -hmm. Even John Buffon, <laughs> the great Mister Affable John Buffon, told me, "Don't you ever book that motherfucker on my show." <laughs> 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 okay, John. He was on. Uh, was he on with Phil and Shane? I think right. Once there was that here. Or I don't know. No, okay. it would be over there. He was on TTNL once. Yeah, you know what was weird is. That I I called Bukowski uh, one and 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 I booked him for one hundred proof and I fucking forgot that I did and so <laughs> I blew it. Uh, that would have been outstanding. That would have been three on one as opposed to two on one. But anyway. <laughs> all right, next round. Panic or don't fucking panic. All right, <laughs> Dude, I love that guy. <laughs> I know who is that. You know who that is. It's a WWE guy. Is it the? Uh, yeah, it's uh, what's, what's his name? Uh, fucking Grave Digger or? No, 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 no. It's what's his uh, name? Uh, fucking uh, somebody in the chat. Somebody in the chat knows. It's a WWE uh, wrestling yes. personality, right? Uh, the Sheik. The Sheik. The Sheik. Yeah. Iron Sheik. Yeah, Iron Sheik. <laughs> That's uh, all right. So the question this time is. There we go. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Retro. I knew uh, Retro would come up with it before Renewable. Renewable Retro and, and Triple R. And Renewable PJ. needs to recharge his batteries. <laughs> he needs to do. Thank you, PJ. He'll um, find the G spot one day, Aldo. <laughs> do you think that Don Burr, ardent Detroit Lions fan, should be concerned about the future of his favorite head coach of all time, Dan Campbell's future with Detroit Lions. So should Don Burr panic or don't fucking panic? <laughs> <laughs> he should panic, but he's too fucking stupid to panic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
like that. That was a one hundred dollar response. It should be a game show. One hundred dollars. Listen, I notice how he didn't show up tonight, Aldo. I I'm really disappointed in you, Don Burr. But I mean, here's the thing. He, it, right. he he wasn't here tonight. That like Toa Hang, he wasn't he, he didn't hang around either because Don wasn't here. It's like <laughs> we lost a viewer because of the fucking 29-0 whipping. <laughs> right. Gotta, gotta have gotta tell Toa to hang out a little bit more when uh Don isn't here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it is, you know. I, I truly believe that the Detroit Lions have put together a pretty fucking impressive roster in their short time rebuilding. The major mistake they made was hiring that fucking buffoon of a head coach. And I'm sorry. I, I know that he is, from watching the Hard Knocks episodes, Tooch, I really believe that he is sincere in his approach. But I, 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 I don't like coaches who are so focused on being um, aggressive or overly emotional, overly inspirational, and they're not fucking really focused on strategy and thinking about ways to win. I don't know how you feel about it, but he's a, he's a, he's a fraud. I, uh, man, I, like, I, I kind of agree with my, with Michael Hanneman. and I hope he's there for decades. Right. <laughs> that is true like, like matt millen right it's like uh don burke comes in and he's like oh lions are gonna be detroit versus everybody lions would be fucking awesome they have this like great defense i mean a great offense and you know they have no defense it's the worst defense in the league almost and uh their offense supposedly was number one but they couldn't score anything against the Patriots. <laughs> who have they played i mean they got fat on teams like the seahawks and yep you know, teams with no teams with no defense. You know, Bel Belichick shut down Campbell. You know, it's like you might as well have had Rob Reiner coaching the Lions. <laughs> Meathead, Meathead coaching the Lions. All in the family reference. I don't, I, I don't even. That's know a seventies TV show, folks. Yeah. In case you were wondering. <laughs> Ever heard of Archie Bunker? Yeah. I mean, they should teach this <laughs> stuff in schools. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> All right. I think I got yep. one more. All uh, right. I, I, I'm actually making these up as we go along. So that's why I'm sort of stalling here. The one my mind comes up with something. <laughs> panic. Or don't fucking panic. All right. <laughs> I love that guy. I love him. The Irish Sheik. <laughs> I want you on this show if you're still alive. Man. Um, do you think that people who are betting on baseball's postseason play and with baseball being so unpredictable to bet on, uh, do you think that they should panic or don't fucking panic? <laughs> I kind of, I mean, I, I, I love, I had a great card for today. I think I'm going to be four and one today for baseball postseason. So it's <laughs> like, I'm kind of like biased a little bit, you know, <laughs> Okay, it's like, uh, uh, I would be biased too. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if they should panic. I think it's. Uh, I think it's okay. I think it's still, still good, man. I do think that, and I'm not at all a gambling expert, although I pretend to be sometimes. Um, I do think that is easier to bet on postseason games than it is on regular season games because 
I learned as a kid that in the postseason, it's all about pitching. I'm not sure that's changed at all, even though the game has changed a lot since then. Yeah, I, I did my handicap based on pitching today, but I'm just like, I had so I had the uh, Phillies first five mm-hmm. plus a half. That was even money, and uh, Phillies the pitcher, you know, it was like it was like six to one by the mm-hmm. by the fifth inning. That was a bet that came through, and then uh, I, I was like, all right, Justin Verlander versus Logan Gilbert, and Verlander got roughed up a little because Seahawks have been like one of the hottest hitting teams, but you know they had hit Logan Gilbert really hard. And uh, uh, for the most part, Verlander had shut the Mariners down for season. But, you know, uh, eventually the uh, uh, Astros came back and won eight to seven. A pretty mm-hmm. exciting game. And uh, uh, and then, you know, they got the Dodgers and the Dodgers team. To- Dodgers team total already cashed. Mm-hmm. And then I've got Dodgers minus one and a half. And you know, Julio Urias could be a guy that wins the Cy Young Award in the National League this year. Dude, it's just he's all business. Mm hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, all all of my handicapping was on pitching today. Oh, all right. I want to make some money on this Bears Commanders game. I yeah. know I'm going to bet on the Bears. Uh, let me see if I can put this up on the screen and it makes any sense. Um, Bears versus Commanders spread right now. Oh, it's either like, now, huh? It was yeah, minus one when I looked I before the show. From yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just got this from CBS uh, NFL. It was posted. Uh, 13 hours ago, so take that for whatever it's worth. But we know it's either one point or a pick and game. What are your thoughts about that? Well, uh, I haven't capped this. I mean, like, here's the trends. Uh, uh, commanders under 4-0 last four games following a loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, 0-4 against the spread their last four games. 0-6 against the spread their last six games in October. And then the Bears, the under ten and two, the Bears last twelve games that I got. So leaning, leaning under in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Commanders uh, still have a pretty good run defense. It's just the Bears' run defense is troublesome. You know, it's like That's we're worrisome thing. Yeah, we're kind of getting into the like Tressman end of the Lovey era where <laughs> we couldn't stop anybody. You know, on mm-hmm. defense, right? We couldn't stop the run. So. Mm-hmm. uh the Bears one and four against the spread in the last five games in October. So, I mean, the books probably have this about right. It's a coin flip. Uh, the total is set at what is it, 40? Ooh, now it's 38. 38. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I know the trends say over. I, I kind of want to take the, I mean, I, trends say under. I kind of, and the, the line would suggest under, mm-hmm. you know, because people are keep betting it down. I don't know what right. it opened at, but, uh, you know the the last last game uh, went went over in in Minnesota, and then uh, the week before that, the Bears played uh, uh, the Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one went under, and the Houston game went over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Green Bay was under, so it's we, we've kind of gone over, under, over, under. Uh, so uh, I guess maybe we are trending towards the under, but but this is this is one I'm if I were to handicap, I'd really have to get into it and. Kind of made. I, I learned. Uh, I learned a, a good lesson yesterday mm-hmm. with the uh, Chiefs and Raiders game, and I'll tell you, this is like it's something uh, Anthony and I were talking about today with uh, another one of our colleagues, and uh, our other colleague had said, "Hey, you know, who do you guys like in the Chiefs and Raiders game?" You know, and I was like, "Man, I, I cannot put my money on the Raiders. You know, I just don't trust them." 
you know, and he's like, well, the line is minus seven. All this Chiefs money coming in, the line has not moved at all. Wow. You have to be on Raiders plus seven. And I was like, I still can't do it. You know, but he's totally right because uh, all that money coming in and the line not moving at all, that should tell you that if all the money's coming in, the line should have gone to seven and a half where people would have taken Raiders money mm-hmm. at that point, seven and a half, eight, eight and a half. And the books obviously did not want you to take the Raiders because they know they they were gambling on the game being a lot closer. And it was. It was a one-point game, you know. So you had to hold your nose there and take the dog. And that's what uh, one of our colleagues, Anthony, and I uh, talked to a lot. Uh, and Sean is one who does this as well, too. you got to look. All the money is on Kansas City, but why haven't they pushed the line to seven and a half? Mm-hmm. You know, because then people would say, I'll take give me the Raiders at seven and a half, you know, because it's – one half point over a full touchdown, so two scores. And uh, I should have been, you know, for better for my clients to say, but I mean, the over was an easy bet last night. Mm-hmm. You know, that was just, you know, both teams could score. Both teams uh, don't really have good defenses. I mean, the Chiefs have had, had they have a better defense than uh, uh, la- uh, last season. Right. But I'll tell you, I did put in one bet for next week already. And that's the Bills and Chiefs over before that thing got bet the fuck up. Because Whoa, you already put that in? I had to. I want to get the best line for that one because it's Good like for you. it was uh, 51 and a half. Now it's 53 and a half. All right. Tell people why. Uh, give people more information. I'm going to run and take a quick, you know what? Yeah. Uh, last season, the, uh, the if you remember the, the playoff game, probably one of the best playoff games between the uh, – uh, uh, Bills and the and the Chiefs, man. It was one of the best games uh, I had seen in a long time. Was that game last season uh, that sent the uh, sent the Chiefs to the AFC Championship against the Bengals, and the Bills went home, and it was I think th- uh, thirty five points scored in the uh, last uh, uh, quarter and a half. So, uh, but that was a, a really good uh, good game. So I wanted to a repeat of that. Wanted to get uh, what I think will be a high total in that game and get the best line that's Buffalo at Kansas city. Um, so I did put in a bet already on that game. Just I, sometimes I'll throw a bet in on, on games right after the games on Sunday, just because that's when you can get the best line, you know? So that was one that I had played ahead of time. Uh, sometimes I'll do that with college football. Also, that just gives me a little bit more of an edge. Uh, I know people aren't totally interested in it, but, uh, the, the line movement on the Raiders and Chiefs was a that was a bit of a learning experience of how uh, books think about that. But uh, it, it really, although that was all about the playoff game between the Chiefs and the and the Bills last season, these are two of the top offenses, and I wanted to jump on the line before it went too high, you know. Okay. Uh, so I think it opened at fifty one and a half, and Anthony and I were both like, we have to jump on the number now. Now it's fifty three and a half. So two extra points of line movement as people who. Uh, Sunday night and and yesterday bet you know bet that up. Oh yeah, that reminds me. I wanted to ask you something. Like I, I really do believe that the Chicago Bears are going to win by a healthy margin. You know, like seven mm-hmm. points or plus. So, what is your theory on betting on those alternative lines, like on DraftKings and so forth? They'll they'll give you some. Uh, uh, yeah. What what is? Do you have a certain theory on that, or is just Pretty much, you know, it is what the the uh, uh, the um, what uh, the expression I wanted to use was the beauties in the eye of the beholder. 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll buy a half a point because I don't want to get caught on the hook, you know. And uh, okay, I, I have no idea what you meant by that. Well, if a number's like three and a half, you okay. know, and uh, uh, you like the team that's favored by three and a half, you know, this is like when you're playing on that edge, you know, okay, like you like the favorite, they're at three and a half, and the dog has got, uh, you know, a little bit more than a field goal. So if, uh, a lot of times a game will just end in a three-point uh, victory for the winner, you okay. know, so some people will, will take the dog because of that extra half point, you know, but if you just can't take the dog, you say, oh, look, I'll take the, I'll take the favorite because I think the favorite will win. Maybe they're at home, mm -hmm. you know, by the hook. So it's minus three. And that way, if it is a three point game, it's a push. You, you're not losing your money. You're getting your money back on the, on the wager. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I got to tell you, uh, I, I put this thing up here. I understand that. And thank you for that ex explanation. Mm -hmm. Um, but before the show, my man Retro sends me this message. We should have him on next week so we can talk about this more in, in more detail. But he says, uh, hold on, not a conspiracy theory, but I read this article that the Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones and a New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft reportedly both plan to retain their investments in DraftKings. According to ESPN.com's David Purdom and Dave, uh, Darren Rovell, Jones and Kraft mm -hmm. have a stake of less than 5% in each in the company. Their reported mm -hmm. decision to keep their DraftKings stake comes on the heels of DraftKings CEO Jason Robins telling Yahoo's Daniel Roberts that the company's focus is likely to shift from daily fantasy to sports betting in two to three years. This was in 2018. Let's just say that the owners own 1% each. That is 32%. They are smarter than this and our stakeholders in order and other investors who invest in various sports betting. Bring this up on the Dan and Aldo. So the point being is, what the fuck is going on here? NFL owners owning a draft sites? It, 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 doesn't that raise suspicions? Like that interest in, the, in DraftKings or in Caesars Sportsbook? Well, I, I think it's in DraftKings, but whoever it is, my concern is if you have NFL owners who have investments in any of these gambling sites, doesn't that raise questions about the integrity of the game and that, you know, the potentially yeah. we saw it happen with the Dolphins owner and that uh, head coach who said, you yeah, know, hey, want you to want you to tank. Right. So what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, lately, you know, on next week we could talk about this. Did you talk to or did you did you watch weekend sports betting tips where Anthony was talking about the uh London game about how they wanted a oh yeah a close game? Yes, and then you know the Packers were up, I don't know how they were up like two touchdowns, and all of a sudden the second yeah, the Giants end up winning the game. Yep, you know, because they want to build support and interest in the game and and uh, and Mike North said the same thing on his yeah. early bears special where he talks gambling. We got two great gambling shows on the Barroom Network on yep. Saturday is weekend sports betting tips with the Tooge, Anthony, and Sean, Sean Higgs. Yep. Higgs. Man, I love that guy. That guy's great. hilarious, man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then on uh, 8 a.m. in Jersey accents. <laughs> I love it. Hilarious. I want a party with Sean. <laughs> um, and then on Sunday, it's uh, Mike North and myself. We talk a little better. Yeah, Sean is great. You, I, Anthony and I, we could text him anytime. You know, he like, you know, mm -hmm. he does a show every day at 11 a.m. called Winning Free Picks. And uh, he gives out picks every day and he'll like, you know, you can ask him anything on his show. Mm -hmm. You know, he just likes coming on and uh, hanging out with Anthony and I because we crack him up. And stuff. Oh, it's, it's a great show. Uh, it's very entertaining. Yeah. You guys, he's a, he's a numbers guy too. He buys, 
he puts his bets in on Sunday night because he wants the number. Like, like I, I got the Jets plus three and a half. They won outright, you know, over uh, wow. the Dolphins. And, uh, you know, he, he's a sharp, sharp dude, man. And uh, Yeah, I've know. always been afraid of making those bets early on because you never know. Somebody twists an ankle on Wednesday's practice yeah. and blah, blah, blah. So there's a danger in that. So, yeah, and, uh, you know, I I, uh, I, I had a I, – I like uh, – t- today I, I posted my record, but I didn't post my free pick on my initial post because mm-hmm. I didn't give it out to clients, you know, and I, I usually – I use my action app to track the plays that I give to my clients because – um, I want, you know, I want them to see the like true at record. So, uh, uncle Mike texts me. He's like, Hey, what about the free play? And I was like, yeah, I didn't post that. I'll, I'll put it up there. I'll retweet it and say it was a loss, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, you can't, you can't really track prop bets on action either, but I gave out two prop plays in my uh, video on Twitter that both hit, you know, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown, he had four of them. What well, imagine if I gave out Travis Kelsey, four plus touchdowns, that would have been like, <laughs> <laughs> 10 bucks pays you know like a thousand whatever bucks mm-hmm. uh and then uh juju smith schuster under uh 46 and a half receiving yards because saturday juju smith tweaked his hamstring you know so you gotta look for stuff like that like guy yeah. he, he had what like three catches for 33 yards you know he just wasn't you know he wasn't himself so no you look for stuff like that and you can get uh you know prop bets but uh props are tough you know Props are tough, but I got to tell you, I was 2-0 and on the early Bears special. I nice. said that uh, Justin Fields would throw, because uh, it was 0.5 on touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields got his touchdown pass, so I went on that one. And then nice. uh, it was a 75.5 on uh, Delvin Cook rushing yards. He got 94, so I, I, I went on that one. I should have bet also Cook scoring a, uh, a rushing touchdown. He actually yeah. scored two, So, but uh, – Two and zero on um, prop bets is is always a good Sunday. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I, I always have to control myself because DraftKings gives you all these bonuses, but you have to have three mm-hmm. bets, and that's how they. Because you know your odds are you're going to miss one of them at least. So it's I'll always uh, try to just do you know like do them separate. You know, mm-hmm. like do your prop bet. Each one is a single bet. That way you. You know, and but I mean, I, it's so tempting because you know you do like three, four, five. Then pretty soon your bet turns into you know like a you hit all of them, and it's like, yeah, we're going mm-hmm. to Sizzler, you know. Yeah. But uh, renewable is saying as a former defensive tackle, it is basically impossible to not sling or contact below the waist or horse collar. This is of yeah. course talking about these f- fucking penalties that are being called. Uh, and so it's impossible to not, you know, horse collar or land on a quarterback in the heat of the action while moving full speed and being blocked. You're absolutely right. And it, this yep. thing needs to be reviewed and the NFL needs to correct this. And I always fucking wonder why in the middle of the season are they making corrections on shit that they should have worked out during, uh, uh, the off season, you know, they saw this image that really upset America of Tuatunga Vialoa. Um that you know that should not have changed the rules. What should have happened was is that they should have got it right the first fucking time. When Tua fucking couldn't walk a straight line, they should have yep. fucking taken him out of the game and 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 they should have done the right thing there. Now that's the overreaction and so forth. So hopefully something good will come out of this. But uh, the NFL so often fucks up. It's unbelievable they are a multi-billion dollar operation. 
Yeah, it should have been uh, as soon as he was like a bit wobbly and stumbly. Should be a one one game, maybe you know, miss a game, you know, uh, automatically sit out the next game. I agree, and they have somebody who's an independent evaluator of yeah head injuries and so forth. Who the fuck was this? Was it fucking uh, Colin Coward or <laughs> yeah. somebody like that? I, I don't know because that person clearly didn't fucking know, you know. And they so they blamed it at the time on uh, neck and back injuries. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, his back was injured or something. Well, guess what? You can fucking you know get concussion-like symptoms from neck and back injuries too. That's it's all part of the spinal column that yeah. goes up to the fucking brain. I mean, even I know that, and I'm a fucking idiot. Some people say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to protect the health of the players. Uh, bottom line, yeah. just uh, that's the most important thing, you know. And uh, you know, he sits out a game minimum. You know, hey, tough shit to your team. You know, you uh, uh, that's breaks. You got a backup quarterback. Put him in. All right. He'd be he'd be playing out the rest of the season if they would have handled that correctly. But yeah. now they're fucking overdoing it, and that those these fucking penalties that are being called is, are ridiculous. Yeah. By the way, I, I was going to tell uh, Dan, I forgot to mention this. I'm inviting somebody from the footballzebras.com website. They are a, a great website to follow what's going on with officiating in the NFL. They announce the crews. They give you biographies on all the officials and so forth. I rely on this website a lot. I reached out to them and say, hey, you know, I, I know if we have you on the show and, and if you agree to come on, you're going get, to get some shit because they, they kind of advocate a little bit for officials. Okay. But, you know, I, I would love to get their explanation as to what the fuck is going on in the NFL with some of the officials and do uh -huh. they – Think that they should have full-time officials as opposed to these fucking bank executives who dress up in black and white on Sundays and call games. It's yeah, this you know, you and I have probably been talking about this for five years. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just common sense. Okay, the NFL is a billion-dollar organization, conglomerate company, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. You know, they can hire dudes who, yeah, they work what four months a year, five. How long is the football season? You know, like. Uh, August to February, half a year. Correct. Six you know, months. they right. could pay them to work half a year, and then the 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 other half year, they let's say they work they're working part time at NFL offices, reviewing rules, you know, being quizzed, exactly. looking at film. Exactly. You know? So uh, you know, and and if you're a if you're a dude who's already doing it, why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want to do that instead mm -hmm. of you know working somewhere else part time than coming in on a Sunday? Yep. You know. Yep, so. you can hire, you can find some really good officials to do that on a full-time mm -hmm. basis by paying them $300,000, $500,000 a season. They don't need to go out and get their attorney's license or real estate license and so forth and have these two jobs. You want totally dedicated officials who know the rule book. You know, there's been a couple of officials who have left the league and said, yeah, that fucking rule book, <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> it's like, come on, this is a joke. Yeah. Uh, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, the rules change every year. They got to review that too. That's you know, a, couple, a week or two. Then they could have uh, fitness. You know, there was one guy that got caught in the, a play and not uh, tackled the player accidentally. That ended up being a catch or touchdown. I forget. I forget which game it was in. He yeah. he got in the way of the play. You know, and took out one of the defensive backs. Right up the middle, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. All right, Coach. Like let's yeah. uh, finish this one. Yeah. Are yeah. you uh, caught up on House of the Dragon? Oh yet, my huh? goodness! Are you okay? 
Yes, I yeah. fucking love this yeah. show. Love it. It's different, you know. It's like mm-hmm. there's not as much action, which is fine, right? Because the politics are fucking crazy as shit. You know, it's like mm-hmm. yeah. Whole, I actually uh, wanted to talk about this when Dan Aguirre was on because he refuses to see it yeah. simply on the basis that it's a sword and gladiator kind of show, yeah. and and he's got some kind of a feeling that I won't watch those kind of shows, but. Tooch, you know, you could apply that same plot line to so many other eras, you yeah. know, even today's era with yep. like, jealousy and envy and power yep. and so forth. And Absolutely. it would still be great. It doesn't matter that there's fucking dragons and people. Yeah, well, the, the dragons are an allegory for nuclear weapons or, you know, missiles mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, they're the, they're the nuclear weapons of the time. You know, whoever possesses them can take out, you know, and then you've got the plotting and the scheming and then the succession you know, the bloodlines or whatever, who's going to, you know, thrones. And then there's other places that aren't, that aren't quite the throne, but they're smaller mm-hmm. thrones. I like know? that. I didn't know alliances like and, you know, but yeah, yeah. it's great. The, uh, uh, the acting is fantastic too. Oh my gosh. The, uh, you know, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, the fucking yeah. death scene by the King. Yeah. Oh awesome. Patty, Patty Considine. He is awesome. He went from being, you know, like a youngish, you know, king in the beginning. Not really young. I mean, you know, maybe uh, mid thirties, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, until he was like maybe like a hundred at the end of the show, and his oh eyeball, his eyeball, had rotted out of his head. It's like I know there was some CGI stuff. Yeah, it was there, awesome. But nonetheless, he still has to wear the green outfit with the balls and stuff. Yeah. He still has to act that shit out. It was yep. fucking sensational, man. King uh, King Scab, whose name? Yeah. Because they, he kept getting cut, you know, on that Iron Throne chair with mm-hmm. all the swords and shit. He had like all those scabs and oh, they were awful on his back, like craters. Yep. No, I, I highly recommend it. Anyone who, and you don't even have to watch the original Game of Thrones. Yeah, you don't have to. Yep. The House of Dragons. I highly, highly recommend it. If you have a feeling that, hey, I, I don't want to watch it because, you know, like Dan, uh, because it's a genre that I usually don't like, don't yeah. worry about it, man. You will like this. It's great stuff. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm i enjoying it. As ha- I'm, I'm enjoying it. And uh, uh, not only is the acting great, but, uh, I mean, you'll enjoy the storyline and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, just a uh, high quality of an HBO production. Absolutely. And yeah. you're, you're right. I mean, there were a lot uh, in the early episodes, there was a lot of dragon stuff. And, yeah. and but you could tell, hey, we're running out of money. <laughs> Let's not show so much dragon shit because yeah. we can't pay for this. But it, it doesn't matter because this the shit is so fucking good. It, it yeah. is so fucking good. I'm uh, glad you're caught up, though. Yeah, I am caught up and I can't wait. There's two more episodes before yeah. the season is over. Can't not wait. Is there a porn parody of a Game of Thrones or House of Dragons? Uh, yes, yes, there are. There, there are. Are there? Okay. Yes. Uh, Game of was- Dongs. <laughs> <laughs> one called a very popular one called This Ain't Game of Thrones, a triple X version. So that's the one to watch. <laughs> Although I like Tooch's title. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and what else have yep. you seen, now, Tooch? Uh, let's see. Good God. I know I watched some stuff. I watched that uh uh beast movie that's uh on oh yeah how was that uh, idris elba mm-hmm. uh, it's really good man it's it's it's, it's, you know, it's fast food popcorn mm-hmm. movie you know it's uh him versus some uh rogue lion and 
you know, South Africa with his two girls. Mm-hmm. You know, it was uh, it was it was decent. It was all right. Well, I have not been able to watch much because uh, because of my schedule and stuff. Yeah. I uh, on Mondays I'm trying to uh, not do anything on Monday so I can spend some time with my wife because sometimes on weekends we gotta mm-hmm. do stuff with other people and stuff. But so on Monday we go out to dinner and then we come home and watch some TV. And so we've gotten yeah, into me Bachelor, too. Bachelor in Paradise, uh, which mm. I love to watch this show because there's so many hot chicks. Oh. Uh, and uh, See, I didn't even know about this. Oh my goodness. It's so much better than the bachelor because it's not just one, you know, person, one female, it's multiple females and they're all walking around in thong bikinis and stuff. And there's a lot yeah. of, grinding and stuff watch this with your wife on monday night yeah. so record it and watch it whenever you want i wish i was young again <laughs> <laughs> that's what i say to you every time i watch this show. Uh, uh, but it is it is a good uh uh frivolous guilty pleasure type fun so that's yeah, I, I uh i was a little late tonight because like the girls are sick they've been sick yeah the vomiting thing oh huh? my god yeah yes last night 2 a.m and then you know right before the show mm-hmm. you know i'm like oh do you have to throw up you know of course my wife you know she'll goes to uh work at, and works nights you know so i'm by myself you know two in the morning i can't get back after being covered in vomit, it's hard for me to fall back asleep. Although, just yeah, I don't blame you, bro. You know, so <laughs> I put I put Camilla in in you know the girls' room and then Alita in my room, and I was on the couch. That was awful, but you know, mm-hmm. I've been uh, I've been watching. Like uh, this puts me to sleep. Sometimes I, I started uh, watching this uh, YouTube channel, and uh, my uh, my coworkers at work like were talking about. It. I was like, oh, okay, I'll check it out. You know, it's a uh, it's this dude that like opens like uh uh mres you know mre like army rations and mre okay yeah and he's got like two million followers he's really dry sense of humor and stuff mm-hmm. he like he has the world's record for smoking the oldest cigarette it's like 118 year old cigarettes <laughs> and stuff that was he collects those things and stuff and i like watching stuff and like my girls start watching it and they like get fascinated by like you know this dude opening these rations some of them like world war one world war two stuff whoa <laughs> and uh you know he'll like open some stuff up he like talks about the food science of preserving food for soldiers and stuff when they're out there and stuff and i'll he'll put his like camp stove going and have, they have the heating pack where you like pour water in there it's like a little like tea bag with like chemicals and it like starts boiling when the water hits it and it heats up the meal and stuff mm-hmm. so i got fascinated by it but it also puts me to sleep so it's, like, <laughs> well, it's like i'm gonna throw it on and i'll be passed out you know a little bit because, you know, that could be a problem after after uh, after about five ten ten minutes a half hour you know I, so <laughs> yeah that could be a problem i uh here's a I, I saw i re-saw a film that you have seen yeah um the outfit oh i love it yeah uh let me see if I can that was killer. describe the plot line. Was it your first time seeing it or second no, time? No, this is my second time because my okay. wife had not seen it. I saw oh, it the first time my wife What's the actor's it? name? I forget the British dude. Balance, 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 Mark Balance. He was in the Steve. Mark, Mark, Mark Rylance. Mike Rylance, yes. Yeah, he's excellent. Yes. He was in the Steven Spielberg spy movie with uh, Tom yeah. Hanks. Yeah, Bridge of Spies, right? Bridge of Spies, which is yeah. also a good movie. And it, yeah. in the outfit, he plays a, a tailor in 1930s Chicago when 
the mob is in control. Oh, that's great. They're using his his tailor shop as a place yeah. to drop off money and so forth, and it becomes a a you know who's tricking who kind of thing. Is is he an informant? Is he not an informant? Is the, is the girl that works there involved? It's just Love it. really well, well, yeah, well so uh, scripted. It takes place in like one room too, right? Yeah, exactly. The whole movie. It's, it's, it's like the hateful the eight. Shop. Yeah. <laughs> exactly it's uh yeah. so if you if you are on a uh, weekend night uh yeah. want to watch a movie did you, uh, did you ever see yeah. uh don't look up with uh, leonardo dicaprio and jennifer lawrence and mark yeah. rylance mark rylance is in it. you have to see it although it's so okay. fucking hilarious man <laughs> don't look up i, I mark I, rylance is in it he plays like this crazy like steve jobs jeff bezos like just cartoon character okay. <laughs> with these giant white teeth <laughs> that's like uh Leonardo DiCaprio is like a, a college professor. Jennifer mm-hmm. this is on Netflix. Jennifer Lawrence uh, is one of his master students mm-hmm. who's doing her master's thesis. And she discovers a meteor, you know, uh, coming towards the earth. Okay. Gonna, I remember. Yeah. It's going to wipe, uh, wipe out everything. And nobody takes them. And seriously. Nobody takes them seriously. <laughs> yes. And yeah. now, like Leonardo DiCaprio becomes this like kind of celebrity, like the, the sexy college scientist you know even though he kind of behaved like a dork if i remember from the preview yeah it goes to his head a little bit then he kind of comes back to his senses and like we have to save the world you know and stuff (laughs) fucking nobody listens to him you know and that could be happening you have to see it no mad space here that could be happening right now with putin making these threats about nuclear uh, armageddon and biden talking about it too that guy uh (laughs) that channel is called uh uh, let me see. Steve, 1989 MRE info. Tucci, if I don't see you again next week because of nuclear Armageddon, I just want you to know that I love you like a brother. Okay? I love you too, my man. <laughs> Hopefully I come in. I know it's like, uh, what is that? Uh, uh, November 6th, I think. It's 5th, 6th. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. there a, a, I could drive out, you know, wife and I think about driving out for the uh, Dan will be in town, and I'd love to meet John yes. McCone and you know, yes. all the uh, bar Maybe um, some of the bar flies will come out. I hope so. I, if no matter if you're in the Chicagoland area, man, I hope I hope to meet you face to face when. Yeah, uh, go. Let me know. Maybe we could. Uh, John and John are all in town, and it's some so, big uh, restaurant, you know, in Arlington Heights area, you know, where exactly. I, you and I don't have to travel that far, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. Aldo loves <laughs> like they're from Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you find that movie, Rituals, the uh, Hal Holbrook uh, deliverance movie yet? I have not, but yeah. I do have it saved on my uh, thing. So I, I will be looking for it. It's funny that you say I that. I had because... never heard of it, Aldo. I'm like, how did I not hear about this movie? <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because if if you heard earlier when I was talking to uh, Dan Aguirre, uh, I saw The Fog last night. He happened to yeah, see yeah. it too. Hal Holbrook is plays the priest in the right. fog. He's preaching, you know, the end of uh, times with these monsters coming in yeah. from the fog. So, uh, he was in Hal like Holbrook. everything. He was like perfect. He, sometimes he'd play like like a politician or some senator. Right. You well, know, he like, played uh, Deep Throat in uh, All the Presidents' right. Men. <laughs> Deep Throat. All the, yeah. There's also there's like a 2005 remake of The Fog too, which I have not seen. I have not seen that yeah. either, and I heard that it was pretty good from a special okay. effects and uh, fright standpoint. And it was funny because <laughs> when I saw the the uh, the original Fog the other night, there was a couple of times where I did a little jumping up, okay. and, you yeah. know the you know the old camera right. trick where the camera pans and there's a monster there and stuff. I I it got a little uh, got a little bit. Uh, so I I, I uh, 
I was I started watching that Hellraiser remake. Yeah, on, on, on Hulu, I was actually pretty good. I had a couple scares in it too. I plan on. I can't wait till Friday. I can watch the Halloween ends. Yeah, you know, because the last one was it was very well done. The last yeah. one with the it was like retro. You know, I'm not not retro TV and movies, but like it was like re- filmed in like a retro style and the feel of it and stuff. So didn't Rob you know? Zombie direct that one? Was that was that Rob Zombie? I'm pretty sure it was oh, him. Cool. Yeah, yeah, oh. it had that kind of throwback to the seven late seventies, eighties uh, slasher movies. You know, even the style and the kind of the the uh, soundtrack and the film uh, camera work and everything. It was it reminded me of those movies and stuff. So looking mm-hmm. forward to it. And then it was like Anthony Michael Hall was in it too. Mm, you you wow. remember? Uh, did, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Sixteen. Uh, uh, I didn't even recognize him. Uh, Someone was telling me that's Anthony Michael Hall. I was like, really? Yeah, he's, he's like uh, been hitting the gym. Uh, he's yeah, a totally different uh, uh, character <laughs> than he was when he I was- got a little worried tonight. I know people are like dumping on Jordan tonight. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> you know? I was like, he's not here to. Def- he's taking a little break. Is that the? Uh- well, yeah. He he. Um, he, he He's taking a break from his show. I don't know what else yeah. he's taking a break from, but uh, we we hope that he comes back soon. And yeah, when we bust Jordan's and balls, I, I came to. Uh, I, cool. I was like, uh, I was all excited for my uh, t- tailgate show. I get there, nobody was there. Just all the Chris Watts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> tailgate for two. Yeah, Sunday's tailgate show. Uh, 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 God bless Chris Watts. He he, yeah. he just me. Two days before the show, he says, "Yeah, I don't think anybody else but me can make it." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Well, I'll be it's there." Like, it's like that time you have to call, you know, like me, and I can. I could have called you immediately. Pull in like someone, like Anthony or Joe yeah. Mandel or something. You know, it's like somebody. Just, I just worry about you sometimes because you're already doing the show on Sunday. I know. You do stuff during the week, and your kids are going to be, "Where's Daddy?" Where's yeah. Oh, a- after after uh, tailgate, I'm free. You know, I'm already okay. my picks are in, all that stuff. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's like yeah. Taking Good. the kids out and stuff. And all right. Well, let's call a plug on this. All right. On this one. I want to plug your show because this yeah. really is a fantastic show. It's called Weekend Sports Betting Tips. It's on Saturdays. The time varies a little bit, but the best way yeah. on top of that is to subscribe to the Barroom Network's YouTube channel. And what you will be doing on Saturday is great sports talk and gambling talk from the from Tooch, from Anthony, and from Sean. These three guys really have a great chemistry going. I love that. I love when uh, Anthony had to leave and then he calls he back, comes back from his car. Fucking Maserati. Like a Guido. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so funny. I love it's, it. it's basically three Italian-Americans talking football. Yes. Okay. And it's so much fucking fun. And it's a breezy 30, 35-minute show. Yeah. I highly, highly recommend it. We got to get some more uh, barflies in and and you want some friends of barflies yeah I, i'm like oh and two my last two for free plays on the show but oh really sean, sean and anthony both been doing pretty good well that's the thing about sports yeah. gambling you have streaks and you have losses yeah. and so you cannot look at it as okay you you fucker i'm oh and two you you gotta, yeah. you gotta stick with your handicapper for a period of time because after a period of time that's when you will win it's just like the stock market you know, yeah. I'm yelling at my financial counselor. Well, we just fucking lost ah, money. And he goes, don't worry. Look at the chart. It comes yeah. ups and downs, but it still keeps climbing. It keeps climbing. And so that's the way it is with sports gambling. I'm getting a little worried here. The Dodgers 5-3 now, Dodgers and Padres. It was 5 oh, nothing. It's like, here come the Padres creeping back in. <laughs> Top of the seventh, uh, two outs, nobody on. But 
Well, you'll be in, <laughs> hopefully we will not find you in the fetal position right. in the morning. I got uh, my mic. Three Italian guys talking sports gambling. Yeah, I'm going to sleep. With <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that uh, Iron Sheet guy sounded a little bit like retro. Panic <laughs> <laughs> or don't fucking panic. <laughs> he looks so much like my cousin Freddie. <laughs> I love that guy. That's the Iron Sheik. I wonder if Iron he's still alive. I don't think he is. Uh, uh, and so, uh, yeah, we had a, uh, uh, you know, uh, we had the Angela Lansbury and uh, Loretta Lynn passed away. I think. Just oh, recently, really? Yeah. Right too. The coal, coal miner's daughter. And, yeah. You know, today, uh, today, uh, um, Google on the splash page. I don't know if you saw the Google splash page. Was Tito the music of Tito Puente? Oh my Spanish god, Harlem, man. I was like, I listened to some tunes today and I was like, man, fucking, you know, yeah. it's like great. I, bro, I grew up with that dude, yeah. he was uh, just amazing. Oh man, um, by the way, uh, the Iron Sheik is still alive, he, he is 80 right. years old, born in 1942. We gotta have him on, <laughs> yeah. I, I will okay. call him, I will try to reach out to him. He's Iranian, by the way. Okay, the Iron Sheik. That's why he's Iranian. <laughs> he might be on the run right now with everything that's going on over there. By the way, those teenage girls in Iran, God bless you. Keep fighting, man. Yeah, look at uh, Nomad. Like, this show is like a uh, good-looking girl whose feet stinks. Can't let it go. <laughs> Appreciate the compliment, Nomad. Thank you, Nomad. <laughs> hey, Retro says, Tooch, have you know, sex with Crisco. Back to old TV commercial. What? Oh, with Crisco. I get it. The Crisco, the oil. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, uh... I hadn't heard that in many, many years. Thank you, Retro. Getting pegged. Right, let's get out of here, too. We gotta get All to right. Sleep. <laughs> yep. Dan is uh, texting me something. What did he text? Let's see. Hold on a second. Because it just left. I hope Dan's uh, enjoying Bear's state of affairs. It's like he's. It's like, <laughs> did you hear the beginning of the show when we were talking about the concert smashing pumpkins and James? Uh -huh. I, told, I told Dan, yeah, I don't think I can go and stuff. And so he's fucking still fucking texting me and trying to get me to go to go. What to, uh, what what was that Saturday night? It's Saturday night, right? Before and so, the before the Dolphins game, right? Exactly. Well, you know, and so an old guy like me, a Saturday night concert, get a few hours of sleep, go to bed. You know, I don't know, man. So, it's uh, pumpkins and who else? Uh, Jane's Addiction. Oh, wow. And I like Jane's Addiction, and oh, yeah. I love Smashing Pumpkins. So it would be yeah. a cool concert. But yep. uh, I, I like, know. man, my my concert days are probably behind me. I like going to like the little stage at the, you know. Like mm -hmm. state fairs and stuff like that, and seeing not the big giant stage, but the musicians on the little stage. That to me, mm -hmm. like you know, that's the fun part. The last concert I went to, uh, this was what maybe eight years ago, and I told my wife because she's not a big fan mm -hmm. of this performer, but she is now. I mm -hmm. said I'm going, so I'm buying two tickets. I'll take you or somebody else. It was Alicia Keys because I oh that would have been great, man. Alicia Keys and yeah. uh, my wife said, okay, I'll go with you. And we had a fucking fantastic yeah. time. Alicia Keys is my so that, that was the last concert you saw? Yeah, eight years ago. About eight years ago, yeah. I think I, I saw Hairball. That's like a good one to go see on the small stage. And then before that was my one of my favorite bands, Here Come the Mummies. If, uh, <laughs> if, uh, if Barflies don't know who Here Come the Mummies are, you have to check them out. They're, 
I vaguely remember them. They're like a ten-piece funk band that dresses mummies and sing about sex, right? Fucking and all that shit. <laughs> I love it. All right, two, all right, we'll check you out it. on Saturday. Yep. Uh, and then tomorrow, uh, hockey fans. Hey, the NHL is right oh, yeah. around the corner. I know Blackhawk fans are saying, well, fuck this season, but wait a minute. There's some reason to have some optimism, but you have to turn in, tune into uh, Bar Down Hockey Talk with. Uh, yeah, my guy. Yes. Jenny Parisi. Frank Mueller. Uh, yeah. And then tomorrow is going to be the uh, tomorrow night Bears Talk with. Uh, Ross Reed and Evan McLean on their Mac and Reed uh, show. Bro, Matt, Mac and Ross. Yeah. And then Thursday, we've got tons and tons yeah. of Bears coverage game day Thursday. Yep. So you know what to do. Just subscribe to the Barroom Network channel and let your friends and buddies yeah. know what we're doing here. Tooch, you are the absolute right. best. By the way, I do fucking like that shirt. I was fucking I, Okay, it. good. It's a beautiful shirt. I, I got all dressed up to go to work, and then the, the girls were too sick. My wife was like, can I ask your boss if you could work from home? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm ready to go, you know, go downtown for the, to work. It's like, you know, I never changed. I was like, just sat down at my desk here at home, freaking oh. busy as shit, because they, they brought back one entertainment weekly issue, although the winter movie preview, yeah. Is that right? I'm, I'm working on that one. Winter Winter movie preview. I love that magazine, and I'm so fucking pissed keep off. Keep an eye out for it. That yeah, it's not. Uh, first of all, I'm pissed off. It's not a weekly magazine anymore, and yeah. I'm now pissed off. It's not even monthly. <laughs> yes, it's, exactly. like, it's like twice a year now. I think looks Fuckers. like that's how I winter and summer pop, pop culture, man. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. Yep. Uh, let us get out of here. Thank you all very much for sticking with us. Those of you in the chat for three and a half hours. Oh and, yeah. This show, if you missed any part of it, it will be on demand here on the YouTube channel and also wherever you get your audio podcast. Good night, right. everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening to Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network and you give us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, my name is Nomke. Bear Down. That was nice. The the new uh, uh, bear 